0: Hello, hello, hello. How is everyone doing? Let me get this room organized. Making Ian co-host
1: here. And there is Roger. <laughs>
2: Hi
0: Ian, very well, very well. Fantastic,
2: fantastic. Just finished a space with Elon Musk. <laughs> it's Beautiful,
0: about... yeah. What, it went what, well.
2: What was it about? Oh uh, well, at first we had a you know an interview with uh, Mark Andreessen, and then we talked about a whole bunch of different things. I mean, Mark is a fantastic guy. You know, you should have him on one of your spaces at some point in the future. Um, we ran over business, we ran over AI, you know, like you couldn't talk too much about certain things because, you know, he's got investments in those things, but what he could talk about was great. Right. And, uh, and then we had Elon on, he just joined on and, you know, we just, we just shot the shit, I would say. Yeah. Asked a few questions about the AI. Well, not really AI, but like the algorithms with, uh, Twitter. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's
0: good. Yeah. Hey, Roger, how are you? Excellent.
1: Delighted to be here.
0: Hey, Roger. How's Very it going?
2: Nice. I don't think we've spoken before.
1: No, this is the first
2: time. First time for everything. Awesome. All right.
0: Let me just arrange the room a little bit. Let it all fill up a little bit. Give me like two minutes and then we get started. Um, Let's see. Who else do we have here? Okay, I'm almost ready. Um, Ian, if you see anyone that uh, you want to move up, uh, be my guest. No worries, I, I let you do absolutely uh, most of the hosting because yeah, I, I I'm going to start this thing by just um, running some questions by Roger and. Uh, when I'm done with that, then I would like to, you know, open the floor uh and let everyone chime in. But in the meantime, uh try and be civil, try not to interrupt, because um, you know, there are a couple of things that I would like to talk um with Roger about first.
2: Yeah, so and... I'll be the janitor. I'll be the janitor in
0: this one. <laughs> yeah, <fantastic. laughs> All right. Well, Roger, should we dive right into it?
1: Fire away.
0: So first of all, welcome back to Twitter. How does it feel to be back?
1: What a long, strange trip it's been. Uh, As I think most of you know, I was uh, banned for life in 2017. Uh, I was a pioneer in that regard. Um, Twitter never actually told me which of my offensive uh, tweets they found offensive. Uh, But um, I I had a a large and vibrant uh, following. In those days, uh, Twitter was actually fun. You had repartee. Obviously, you had some trash talk, but uh, there was a lot of back and forth, and it was uh, entertaining, it was fun, it was educational. Uh, But um, then, uh, you know, obviously, because I am a Trump supporter, uh, because I uh, question certain news narratives, Uh, Because I would push back on specific issues and topics. Um, I was, uh, I was banned for life. At the time I was banned, I think I had about 890,000 followers. That's a, that's a guess, of course, because I was locked out of the account, uh, and uh, couldn't even see it. Uh, and so has, has your account been restored with all your
0: previous followers
1: intact? uh, No, when the account was restored, it had, um, I'm going to guess around 125,000, maybe a, a slightly oh. larger. It has grown to be more than 300,000. Last time I looked, uh, I urge people to, to follow me prior to being re- reinstated. Somebody had posted uh, a profile under uh, real Roger Stone, who was definitely not me. Uh, they copied my picture in my profile from a, another social media uh, platform. Uh, and surprisingly, they weren't banned. When I had, uh, uh, shortly after the acquisition uh, by uh, Elon Musk, uh, to whom I am very, very grateful for my reinstatement, um, I uh, almost immediately posted, just to make a point, a new profile. I think I called it Roger Stone USA. Uh, it was banned within an hour. Uh, it was it, oh. it was suspended. Um, I didn't really think that it wouldn't be suspended. I just wanted to make a point. Uh, but uh, for for whatever reason, real Roger Stone began to pick up steam and I guess a lot of people thought it was me. It was not me. Uh, and then my lawyers at my request, my lawyers contacted Twitter. They took that account down. Um, then I went through the prescribed steps to apply for reinstatement uh, and then uh, to my surprise uh, and uh, delight, um, I was reinstated. I didn't, I don't know Mr. Musk. I don't, didn't lobby anybody. Uh, I prayed about it. I filled out the forms, that's about it. Uh, and it's, it's mm. nice to have my uh, voice back. Um,
0: yeah, good. And when I checked um, advanced Twitter search yesterday to prepare uh, for this chat, I was trying to see what tweets you had made about Trump in the past, and they didn't come up. There were only three tweets that you made with the word Trump in it in the last uh, few days. But your past history seems to be uh, gone. So, you know, I think it would be nice if Twitter, when they do reinstate accounts, also reinstate previous followers and all the the tweet history of that user, because if that remains gone, it's not really a full reinstatement.
1: Well, that's interesting. When I was first reinstated, I did—I was able to go back and look at uh, some of the things I tweeted and actually commented on it. In some interviews, said, "Wow, I said some really stupid things." I also—I also, <laughs> also said—I so also said a lot of things that I, I would post again today. So. Um, I'm being somewhat more judicious about it, but I'm also having gone through what I had been through. Um, I, I'm a different person than I was. This was over four years ago now. Uh, yeah. And uh, you also can't remember everything that you did or did not say. Uh, anyway, yeah. um, I, I am, uh, I'm glad to be back. It's a, it's still a great platform. And we've learned so very much in the last couple of weeks uh, in, in my case, I learned, I essentially learned confirmation of things I already thought in many cases, but wasn't positive of. But uh, I think uh, Elon Musk has been courageous. Uh, yeah. I, and he has taken a lot of slings and arrows um, for his commitment to free speech. His critics, of course, have it exactly backwards. The threat to democracy is not letting people speak. The threat to democracy is limiting free speech. Uh, it is not. Uh, it is not extending free speech.
0: Yeah. Do you agree that uh, Trump should start using Twitter as his primary uh, channel again, uh, and keep Truth Social as a backup?
1: Well, first of all, Truth Social as a concept. I mean, I, I have a. I have a a, a. a. An account there. I'm active there. Uh, if you want to speak to, you know, principally conservatives. Trump supporters, Republicans, libertarians, free thinkers, Christians. It's a great platform, reaches a lot of people, uh, works relatively well, but I think it is self-limiting in a way. Uh, there's some trolls there and you just block them. It doesn't matter. Uh, whereas, uh, but, but by definition, um, it, you know, it appeals to a certain niche market. Uh, Twitter obviously should be open to everybody. Right, left, center, vegetarians, non-political people, anybody. Uh, and, uh, if you look at the difference, I think at one point Trump had 83 million people following him on Twitter. I think today he has 3 million people following up, uh, him on True Social. Uh, yes, I think he should return to the platform. I hope that he will return to the platform. Uh, this would be speculation on my part and nothing more. Maybe he has a, some kind of exclusivity agreement with True Social. I don't know that he does. I don't know that he doesn't. He clearly has a financial well, stake. I mean, in it.
0: with his, with his, uh, art of the deal, I'm sure he has some exit clause in case his Twitter account gets reinstated. I mean, he has a massive account reinstated with all of his followers i think he's wasting an opportunity by not taking advantage of that
1: i would like to see him back on this platform so i agree with you
2: hell yeah me too i mean yeah. Yeah, he was a powerhouse on this platform. he was using it before any of <laughs> most people right i mean he the reason so many people even know about him is because he used twitter he was one of the first celebrities to actually you know tweet in real time the way that we're tweeting today
1: well yeah, I, I, it was I, this
2: I,
0: way to get around the the, the media. Uh, Blockade and how they treated him. He he just became his own media.
1: Well, actually, I think I am the person who explained this to him. Uh, One of his great real estate and business rivals in New York City uh, was Mort Zuckerman. Uh, And Mort Zuckerman owns, may still own, but it's time he owned the New York Daily News. Uh, And the New York Daily News was, and I think still is, hemorrhaging money. I mean, he's hemorrhaging money. But Mort Zuckerman had the editorial page to state his opinions. Uh, I explained to Trump that Twitter was an opportunity to state your opinion. It was much bigger than the Daily News in terms of the number of people it reached. And here's the part Trump really liked. It was free. (laughs) It was free, cost you nothing. So, So it was like owning a newspaper. It was a little more limited in terms of the number of characters, but Uh, It was free, it cost you nothing, and you could communicate with everybody, something one of his rivals was uh, paying millions and millions of dollars uh, for the privilege to do.
0: Yeah. Roger, is it fair to say that as a political operator, you are more like a UFC fighter than a traditional boxer? I mean, you don't mind grabbing your opponents and slamming them headfirst into the ground? Right.
1: Well, I'm prepared to do anything that is legal to elect my candidates. Uh, yes. And I understand that in America, politics is a contact sport, always has been in our entire history. I mean, people made up, you know, rude flyers about Abraham Lincoln and handed them out. Uh, but um, there are obviously limits. Um, politics. I'm sorry, it was a more civil 30 years ago I mean I had friends uh, who were you know who were in the same business as I was who were Democrats uh, who handled candidates we would eat together we would drink together we would tease each other sometimes we would beat them other times they would beat us we would laugh and say I'll get you next time Uh, everybody did the best they could for their clients Uh, but there was still a certain civility and camaraderie about it um, that I don't think exists at all today. They not only want to defeat you, they want to send you to prison. They want to bankrupt you. Uh, and uh, it is—I uh, don't, you know—I'd rather, at this juncture, in all honesty, write about and talk about politics rather than engage in it. I don't—I don't expect to do uh, another presidential campaign. I don't actually expect to do. Uh, I don't rule it out, obviously, but I'm not—I'm not actively seeking campaign, uh, you know, consulting gigs, strategic gigs. What I did find is that, and you've seen this before, Trump brought a large number of of people to politics who had no prior political experience. Uh, And a lot of people do not understand That a modern political campaign, whether it's by a Democrat or a Republican, is a completely data-driven, scientifically-based exercise in which you use sophisticated survey research to examine issues, concepts, ideas, positions, standing, but also to examine how people are receiving their news. Republican primary voters get their news from different sources than, say, Democratic primary voters. Uh, general election voters get their news from different sources than than uh, than primary voters. Uh, the the a lot of people think, a lot of people who are new to politics think, well, I'm going to run for Congress. You get some yard signs made you run around and talk to the same 3,000 activists uh, in your community or in your jurisdiction, uh, you knock on some doors, and that's a campaign. Uh, and that is not a campaign. So um, the, particularly with the advent of uh, digital advertising, uh, with the maturity of the Internet, uh, running a campaign for public office uh, at the statewide level, at the congressional level, has become a much more complicated, much more expensive, uh, in some regards, much more expensive endeavor. On the other hand, prior to uh, the advent of the Internet, uh, the single most efficient way to reach voters was network or network affiliate television, which was extraordinarily expensive. Uh, the internet, particularly Facebook, brought you the ability to geo-target uh, voters based on not only geography, but also to target them on the basis of interests, uh, and therefore you could reach... The age bracket, or the or the uh, or the geography, or the spe- or specific sets of voters. So, in many ways, Facebook, uh, particularly, uh, but also all digital advertising, democratized the process with a small D, uh, and made it much much more affordable. Therefore, if you were running for Congress in Long Island, and you couldn't afford New York City television, or if you were running for Congress in the suburbs of Los Angeles. Uh, you certainly couldn't afford Los Angeles uh, television mm-hmm. rates. So um, I- in a way, the Internet made uh, campaigns more efficient. And to an extent, they made them more affordable. Also, yeah. uh, also, the I, I
0: watched a ahead. documentary about um, the Facebook data and how it had been used in uh, Donald Trump's first presidential election. Um I mean there was was of course quite a bit of criticism how the data has been used were you involved in that uh, I was
1: uh, I, 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 I was not I had uh, no formal role in Trump's 2016 campaign uh, I've okay. I, I've seen that I've seen that I've read quite a bit about it but I have no uh, first hand knowledge about it
0: I mean it was definitely a sophisticated strategy but uh, kind of on the edge of what uh, one would think is uh, appropriate. But the Twitter files show that the Democratic Party is using dirty tricks now to win elections, right? It's obvious. I mean, they use the media manipulation. They use big tech uh, censorship. Uh, you know, there are documentaries about uh, ballot manipulation and so on. Why do you think they are engaging in dirty politics?
1: Well, because you, for the first time in the history of the country, you have a situation in which all mass communications, not just the Internet, but all mass communications are controlled and censored. Uh, we've never had that before, uh, but it doesn't matter whether it is network television or cable television uh, or print media, newspapers, magazines or, or the Internet or increasingly corporately owned radio as the little mom and pop uh, independent radio operators are slowly being squeezed out um you have one monolithic establishment media and they have one narrative uh and as long as they have one narrative for example um the the truth uh, and the authenticity of say oh i don't know hunter biden's laptop contents uh, can be suppressed Uh, So it's not just that it was suppressed on Twitter, but it was suppressed essentially everywhere.
0: Mm. It feels to me that the Democrats and the Republicans are in a state of, uh, let's call it a constant election war. And after each election, the war continues by smearing the opposition with investigations, scandals, and so on. Each side is using dirty tactics to get ahead and while they are so occupied with fighting each other the American people are the biggest losers in all of this because nothing gets done, their lives don't improve um, do you think that's a fair assessment?
1: Uh, I, I guess I don't, what I think is uh, that there is one, uh, there is a uniparty, there is uh, there, the real division in American politics is the insiders and the outsiders that the Republican-Democrat divide is kind of a Hegelian device. Uh, look, I'm. this is speaking to someone who is a former young Republican national chairman who grew up in the Republican Party of Goldwater and Reagan. I have great affection for the party as an institution, uh, as the conservative party. Uh, but the truth is, um, there's one party, it's the establishment party, Uh, And, um, you know, somebody like Donald Trump comes along. He is a a threat to that duopoly uh, that has, you know, very cozy arrangements uh, in Washington uh, and who has presided over the decline of the country. Take, for example, um, the fact that, that both parties overwhelmingly support sending $100 billion to Ukraine. That's not a, that's not a, That's not a partisan issue, and that's a bipartisan decision. I don't think it reflects... Oh,
0: when it it comes to
1: wars,
0: (laughs) the Uniparty, as you call it, always agrees uh, to that type of spending because, you know, obviously the military-industrial complex has politicians on both sides. And when you look at the voting patterns, uh, it's quite obvious that uh, when it comes to uh, never-ending wars, uh, both parties are
2: always in agreement. Seems like it needs some change, right? Someone like uh, Harmit Dillon, someone who represents populism in the party, versus someone who just listens to lobbyists. I think that would make a change. I mean, what do you think, Roger?
1: I listened uh, to that uh, to that Twitter space last night uh, in which she spoke, and I was very, very impressed. I was extraordinarily impressed. I don't know. I don't know her. Um, I have. uh, I have respected her based on what I've read and seen, but it was limited. But I was very impressed uh, with her last night. Uh, I do think, again, the Republican National Committee upcoming election is very much an inside game. Uh, that the, you know, you have a hundred and I think 63 votes when you include the votes of the, of uh, representatives from the territories. There's a chairperson and a national committee man and committee woman from each state. The committee men and the committee women are chosen differently uh, in each state. Some places they're elected by the state committee. Some places they're elected by a state convention. Uh, it, it's not the same in every state, but they are politicians. Uh, they have a long-term interest in their own survival. Um, it is very rare, and she hit upon this, it and was, it was quite impressive. It's very rare that they hear from anybody at the grassroots. Uh, If you look at the average National Committee person, in many cases, probably most cases, they've been there for a long time. People do not rotate in and out of these positions. Uh, And um, they are still subject at some level under each different state party uh, to uh, the will of the voters, the will of the uh, of the party members. Uh, and uh, I would like to see her succeed. I think uh, uh, that, that the entire Republican National Committee has become too cozy uh, and there's too much focus on making money and not enough focus on winning elections.
0: Her, her idea to take it out of DCs uh looks interesting to me, you know, just to spread it out across the country a bit more. I think that sounded like a good idea.
1: Well, look, if I were uh, a major donor to the party, um, I'd like to see an audit of where the money's gone, both uh, soft money and hard money. I'd like to, I'd like to see, I mean, they raised millions and millions and millions of dollars. Uh, if I were a major donor, even if I were a minor donor, um, I'd like to know where that money's going. That's a, that would be a very good start. And then secondarily, the party has developed, um, you know, very sophisticated, uh, voter, uh, and donor databases. I'd like to know who owns that data. Is that data owned by the Republican National Committee? Is that data owned by a private company uh, outside the Republican National Committee? Uh, these are things that I'd like to know that I don't know the answer to. And yeah. I think she would get she would get to the bottom of all that.
0: So I, I want to go, go back to the state of election wars. You said 30 years ago things were different. It wasn't uh, as bad as it is now. Um, you know, I, I look back at the 2000 election and the Democrats were quite loud about that and saying that that it was stolen from them. Uh, if I rem- remember correctly, in the 2000 presidential election, George W. Bush won Against Al Gore by 537 votes in the Florida recount. Um, And knowing your history, this has Roger Stone written all over it. Can you confirm that the efforts in in Florida had your
1: fingerprints? Were you involved in that at all? Uh, This has been publicly reported. Uh, Yes, I was definitely involved. I mean, in all honesty, uh, Al Gore uh, and his handlers made one fundamental mistake, which was they should have asked for a recount of every county. Uh, had they done that in, the, in that canvas, I think there was a greater probability that they would have pulled ahead. Um, this idea that I was responsible for shutting down the recount in Miami-Dade is false. Uh, there was an attempt to recount the same group of ballots for the third time. To try to pick up additional uh, votes. In many cases, uh, ballots were spoiled and you couldn't discern who the voter had meant to vote for because they had voted for two people on the same ballot uh, or their, or their marking was not in the, within the circle where, uh, where it was supposed to be. Uh, But Jim Baker, uh, former Secretary of State, former Secretary of the Treasury, uh, the man brought in to uh, run the recount operation for George W. Bush, I think correctly recognized that it was it was going to be an inherently political brawl uh, and uh, the Democrats I think uh, made a number of strategic mistakes.
0: but uh, could could this have been the time right when that happened where the Democrats felt you know, need to go dirty if we want to win future elections i mean could this have triggered this entire election war situation that we are in now that they are saying you know we felt uh that that wasn't fair and that's why we also have to take the gloves off and become ufc fighters as well
1: well you can go all the way back to 1960 i have written written an entire book uh on richard dixon but i specifically focus on substantial evidence that the 1960 election was stolen, not just in Illinois, uh, but uh, also in Texas. I had to go find on microfiche a really extraordinary series of articles written then by the New York Herald Tribune, which are not available online, uh, where uh, extraordinary documentation uh, of that election, uh, theft in my opinion, um was uh, was really laid out um that in, ter- in in turn i think um also is what led us in a strange way to watergate in other words i think nixon himself was scarred by that experience he had been a you know a two term 8 year vice president he was the heavy favorite in that contest uh he made a series of foolish blunders in the campaign should never have debated the lesser known Kennedy. Uh, had uh, he did husband his resources and his funds to the end, because he had to. Uh, the Kennedys had free free range with money, and they used it uh, for you know Madison Avenue style advertising. It was very new and very effective in those days. Uh, so, I mean, you could make a case that it goes all the way back to then um i i think we have had uh, we've had election fraud in the country throughout the country's history we've had uh, we've had disputed elections uh, throughout the country's history yeah
0: but then when you look at today uh, these election wars are so counterproductive right they achieve nothing for the voters it's just a waste of time and energy rather than focusing on the issues that need to be fixed so my question to you as a veteran in U.S. election wars, how would you say this broken system can be fixed so that politicians actually achieve some, something again for Americans and not focus so much on you know, dirty politics?
1: Well, if they can count 34.5 million paper ballots in France in one day, we could certainly have paper ballots here. I would return to paper ballots. Uh, I would have the election on one day um, I would have absentee balloting uh, based solely on a legitimate reason why one cannot be present at the polls, uh, infirmity, uh, illness, or uh, sometimes uh, some states allowed it to be done for work-related reasons. Um, I would not have mail-in ballots. I think, uh, as Bill Barr said uh, on CNN in an interview with Wolf Blitzer, uh, they're an open invitation for fraud. Um, I, I don't know why we have, uh, uh, early voting. I don't know why I think we should have our elections on one day. Uh, I think that paper ballots, you know, are entirely traceable. We would know without any doubt who won and who lost the country could then move on. Um, I, I think all of those things that I just outlined are highly unlikely to happen.
0: Yeah. I mean, the biggest problem are in my mind, the voting machines, because, uh, you know, the deep state is now more involved in uh, politics, obviously, because that's, uh, you know, where, where their bread and butter is. If they want to go to war and uh, shuffle some money to the military industrial complex, uh, they need to have uh you know the right candidates in play the right puppets that they can move around so you know voting machines to me always looked like a terrible idea uh, because the deep state can manipulate every mobile phone to turn it into an open mic and uh, has backdoors in every pc software imaginable uh, what makes anyone think that they can't do that with voting machines
1: well in 2016 just prior to the election i wrote an op-ed piece that was published by The Hill, in which I expressed concerns about the fact that computerized voting machines could be manipulated, uh, certainly through a central server. Uh, and I was viciously attacked by Hillary Clinton's campaign and by her allies. Uh, and then after the election, after uh, Trump uh, was declared the winner, uh, the Clinton campaign sought, legally sought recounts in Michigan uh Pennsylvania uh, I think the third state was Wisconsin uh but their argument in their in their in their briefs was that the uh, computerized voting machines had been manipulated precisely what I'd said before the election um uh, they're not supposed to be connected to a central server they're not supposed to be uh online uh and widely acceptable except for we've learned in some states they are
0: Mm. You mentioned earlier that uh, you're not seeking to be involved in Donald Trump's next campaign, but if he would ask you to play a role in the 2024 presidential campaign, would you be interested?
1: I I don't think I'd have a choice. I mean, uh, I'm uh, here and breathing uh, (laughs) thanks to him. Uh, You know, it's very I'm not sure how uh, one lies under oath about Russian collusion when there's no Russian collusion to lie about. Yeah, uh, a violation of the False Statements Act requires materiality in some underlying crime. Uh, there, I was lying to protect Donald Trump. Protect him uh, for from what? They never found any evidence uh, of Russian collusion. The idea that I was a go-between for WikiLeaks was not proven at my trial. No evidence to that effect was presented. So, uh, you know, it was uh, it was quite an experience. Uh, and I'm writing a book about it. I've written five books. This will be my sixth book. Uh, obviously, uh, I would probably not be here, uh, but for uh, the commutation of my sentence and the subsequent uh, unconditional uh, pardon, um, you know, I, people still insist I was a Russian spy when I run into them on the street. There's no evidence of that. That was not even that wasn't alleged at the trial, nor was it proven at the trial. And it is false. Of the idea that I'm pro-Russian is absurd. I had relatives mowed down by Russian tanks in Budapest in 1956. I think Putin is a thug. Uh, I have no uh, truck for his authoritarian system uh, or, or the way he operates. But um, uh, I don't expect that that request to come. Uh, I, and uh, you know, I'd rather write about and cover the campaign than be a, a warrior. I yeah. just don't expect. I don't expect to be asked. So here's one thing that
0: I wanted to ask you because, you know, you're so deep, um, into politics in the U.S. I would like to have an honest discussion about the financial state of the United States and the limited financial abilities any future U.S. president will have, right? The U.S. national debt is now at 31 trillion. U.S. total debt is at $93 trillion, and U.S. unfunded liabilities are at $173 trillion. All of this combined is more debt than all U.S. assets combined. I mean everything that everyone owns in America, right? So the U.S. government had a surplus for only four years in the last 52 years. And the combined amount of that surplus is $660 billion. That's not even enough to pay one year of interest payments on all the current debt. What are your thoughts on that? Where is the U.S. heading? Uh,
1: I just assume that they print money as they need it. I mean, uh, you know, the idea that we are giving $100 billion to Ukraine, for example, I'm not clear on where that money comes from, which – Budget line item? Do we are we taking that from, or are they just printing it and sending it? Uh, I, I don't. I don't look. I'm not a financial expert, and don't claim to be one. But I, I don't ultimately see how that kind of debt is sustainable in the long term.
0: Well, I mean, uh, that really, is what the what the U.S. government has done over the last ten years. It printed endless amounts, trillions upon trillions of dollars. That's why we have inflation right now. That's why the whole world has inflation right now because the U.S. is doing that on the backs of other countries because it controls the world currency, the U.S. dollar, right? But we're now facing the de-dollarization of the global financial system, right? The U.S. dollar will no longer be the global reserve currency because other big economies are starting uh, to smarten up and they trade in other currencies. So if the U.S. can no longer print money, on the backs of other nations. This house of cards comes crashing down, doesn't it? I mean, Uh, it's it's inevitable.
1: Well, it seems so. And, of course, the great irony of this is that Republicans particularly have run as fiscal conservatives, have talked endlessly about balanced budgets and cutting spending and so on, but nobody spent more than George W. Bush. Nobody. He is the biggest spender of them all.
0: So, so The uh, the point that I'm trying to make here, Roger, is neither Trump nor any other future U.S. president can prevent this collapse, right? I mean, the U.S. government is literally bankrupt as it is. Why even bother running for president? I mean, make America great again is not going to happen at this point.
1: Uh, I'm, I'm not an economist, uh, and uh, I believe with Jesus all things are possible. Uh, but it certainly seems to, me, seems to me that the our current debt and our current fiscal situation is unsustainable in the long term.
0: Yeah, well it's already at, you know, the breaking point. Who should Trump pick for vice president do you think and why?
1: Well, you couldn't possibly make that decision now because uh, traditionally uh, the selection of the vice president in, in uh, both parties uh is made at the end of the nomination contest. Uh, because you don't know how the nomination contest went. And therefore you don't know what you need, who the person you need, either uh, geographically or in terms of appeal to a specific uh, group of voters. So that's a decision you couldn't possibly make prior to your securing enough delegates to be nominated uh, and seeing how that went. Uh, So for example, uh, in 1952, Robert Taft, a conservative, went to the National Convention with enough votes to win on the first ballot. Uh, the Eisenhower forces, uh, through a very clever thing called Stop the Steal, uh, unseated Taft delegates in three states, Texas, Louisiana, and Mississippi, seated Eisenhower delegates. Eisenhower was nominated. Party conservatives were very upset. The advice given to Eisenhower was pick a conservative, a young conservative for your running mate to bind up the wounds of the party and pull all the Taft people in. That's how young Richard Nixon went in six years from being a House member to being vice president of the United States. I should say went in six years from leaving the Navy to being vice president of the United States. That is by anybody's calculation, a meteoric rise. But you didn't know prior to the selection of a presidential nominee what kind of nominee you needed for vice president to bind up the party's wounds. You couldn't possibly say today uh, who Donald Trump or any other Republican um, would need as a running mate. Do you see how the nomination contest goes? Well,
0: let me, it, it was a bit of a trick question. Let me tell you why. I think uh, that Don Jr needs to run as a backup candidate because if uh, Donald Trump uh wins the nomination, I think there's a real risk that the deep state will try and JFK him, you know, because he now knows all the the tricks of the deep state. He has had such a steep learning curve. With, uh, you know, all the roadblocks that they put him in, into his way last time. I think, uh, they are no illusion if this guy gets into power again, that they are all gone.
1: Well, but remember that the electoral college, um, doesn't prohibit, but essentially, um, would penalize a party ticket where both candidates, uh, for president and vice president are from the same state. So for example, if, and many people well, move,
0: him, move him to Florida. You can help them.
1: Well, there. they, well, they, but they, I think they do both live in Florida. That's precisely the point. Oh, really? Oh, no. Yes. Uh, I, I thought, Don, I thought, uh, Junior is in New York. I think, he, I think he is now a Florida resident. I think he lives in uh, Jupiter. Yeah. He moved. Um, oh, he moved okay. to Jupiter. Okay. Uh, and who wants to move to a high tax state? I mean, who, who wants to pay New York state or New Jersey state income taxes when Florida has no income tax?
0: But do you see where i 'm coming from? i mean it would be a life insurance for uh, donald trump right if 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 his son would also become a nomin uh, run in the uh, for nomination then you know if if they axe him uh, his son would you know become the hero of the Republicans and take over so they can't really stop a Trump from coming into the White House and it may deter them from trying to take any action against uh, Donald Trump
1: uh, it's a, a novel idea but a trump trump ticket uh, poses a number of other issues I mean uh, look I do think he has to choose someone um, who is committed to his agenda uh, who is uh, not part of the of the uh, of the wing of the party that he has to defeat in order to be nominated. He has to pick somebody who is uh, who can inspire and who can do the job. We don't know who that person is yet. Many, many people thought, uh, myself included, that that person might be Carrie Lake, uh, but she most likely needed uh, the perch of the Arizona governorship and two years under her belt as governor, some public record to be a strong Vice presidential candidate, just in terms of raw talent, she is the most talented candidate I've seen since Ronald Reagan, who is extraordinarily talented as a candidate. Uh, unfortunately, uh, while they have filed a very, very compelling and detailed lawsuit, um, I don't know that she will win that lawsuit. No. I pray that she does, but, um, uh, you know, I, I just don't know.
0: Well, let's talk about the deep state candidate, Mike Pompeo, for a second. He will obviously get the support from the CIA, the military industrial complex, their vast media assets that the deep state controls are all going to blow the horn. I think we Mike need to Pompeo. choose Alex
3: as vice president. I'd for him. Trump Alex, that's the ideal candidacy.
0: <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> but is that something you're concerned about, that Pompeo is just coming in there and getting all these deep state assets? Uh, well, I to mean, sim-
1: there's a terrific uh, a piece uh, in Yahoo uh, that details how Mike Pompeo, a CIA director, um, who I think most people know, initially said that Julian Assange was a, was a foreign state actor, in other words, a Russian a
0: hostile non state intelligence agency. Well. right?
1: Which, which I don't I think, think there's any, journalist? which I don't think there's any proof of. I don't, in fact, I don't think it's true. Uh, and uh, therefore he laid the whole predicate for the Russian collusion hoax. Uh, he is, uh, he talks a great game. In other words, he knows how to sound like an America first candidate. He also recognizes uh, are the former president's great susceptibility to flattery. Uh, but, uh, I also think that he lacks the skills, uh, and the, and the charisma, uh, and the geographical positioning, um, to be a strong candidate. I just don't, I don't see, uh, I, you know, every poll has him in single digits. Um, he's, he's lost a lot of weight. He, he looked healthier before he lost weight, Well, he, think.
0: He, he had an operation. Well, I think any, any person of, who, of who is uh,
3: essentially a Fed has uh, disqualified themselves from being a candidate for office. I mean, that's essentially what Pompeo is. I mean, if
0: uh, uh, Trump needs a nickname, uh, like he gives everyone a nickname he's running against, the uh, Deep State Mike would be my recommendation.
1: I just I think that he's gonna have a very hard time launching uh, a viable candidacy.
0: Yeah. Well let's just hope it's that Trump that Trump I, will I not end up It'd with a him. Total Let's just hope that Trump will not end up with him as vice president because then we'll have a LBJ situation all over again.
1: Um I think it is unlikely because I can't see any crucial constituency that Mike Pompeo would bring the ticket. Yeah,
3: except the FBI, You'd probably get 100 of the FBI in the CIA vote, the deep state.
0: So, who do you think is going to be Trump's biggest challenger in the for the
1: Republican nomination? Well, I think that's kind of self evident. Um, you know, Governor DeSantis has got a large, important base. Uh, you can't get to 270 electoral votes without Florida. Um, he has certainly now demonstrated his ability to raise the necessary money to launch a candidacy. Um, I've been pretty vocal I've written extensively about the fact that I, that the, that Trump is solely responsible for the rise of DeSantis. DeSantis was a, a relatively unknown backbench congressman whose gubernatorial candidacy was in single digits, uh, who's having fundraising issues. The Republican establishment uh, in Florida, had settled on uh, the state agriculture commissioner, who had the endorsement of all 67 Republican county chairmen, uh, all uh, every uh, single elected Republican in the majority in both houses of the state legislature, uh, and I think every member of the Republican congressional delegation, with the exception of Matt Gates, uh, DeSantis's rise is completely uh, attributable. Uh, to, uh, to a tweeted endorsement from Donald Trump, uh, and his campaign literally took off like a rocket. Then in the general election, um, DeSantis was not a strong candidate because as a congressman he was more familiar with federal issues. He was not as familiar with state issues. He was uh, essentially learning on the run. Uh, Trump appeared in Florida twice in the final two weeks to help drag DeSantis across the finish line. So I see the fact that he seems poised to challenge Trump as a personal act of betrayal, as an act of treachery. But this is politics. As I think Harry Truman said, if you want loyalty, get a dog. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, DeSantis will be formidable. Where DeSantis stands on the war in, in Ukraine will be interesting, uh, whether given the great base of his donors, um, he is prepared to be as tough on China as Trump was as president remains to be seen today. I think he he clearly took steps to separate himself from the president regarding uh, the safety and the effectiveness of the COVID-19 vaccinations. Um, I my instinct tells me that that is a good political move. I haven't, on the other hand, seen any polling or any, you know, uh Actual data on it, so it would be speculation. Uh, but clearly, he is uh, moving in that direction. Um, yep. I think now, but this there's another entire question here. First of all, I ta- I'm going to take the same position as uh, as Alex Russo. I am not turning my back on Trump. Trump changed the party. We went from the party of the wealthy elite to being the working class party. Uh, we went to be being the party of uh, of uh, economic uh, uh, prosperity. Uh, and uh, Trump, I think, allowed us to reach certain voters that John McCain and Mitt Romney could not reach. That's why he won. So I'm uh, I'm a Trump uh, supporter and I'm not going to change my view. Uh, that said, um, I still think Trump has a hard lock uh, on at least 40 percent of the primary vote, could be 45. Uh, and in a split field, um, I think he'd be in very good shape. And how DeSantis wears as a candidate is yet to be seen. Within the context of Florida, uh, he does very well when he controls the microphone. Uh, yep. But repor- Reporters here in Florida will tell you that he never subjects himself to hostile or even neutral questioning, that he limits himself to softball questioning. Um, if you watched that debate, I thought his with his opponent who had a weak hand to begin with, I thought the governor's performance was adequate. Uh, but he never smiled mm. doesn't seem doesn't seem to have any warmth or any sense of humor There's i, no I self, mean trump, trump, certainly,
0: trump certainly has the entertainment factor going for him and he'll he be interesting
1: a...
3: to see purely for entertainment value who coalesces the anti-trump vote the most because we know folks like liz cheney and uh, mike pence are definitely going to get into the race but I don't know how uh, who who among the two is actually going to coalesce uh, the major anti-Trump vote. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that, Roger. Who, who do you think is going to be the most effective anti-Trump candidate
1: in this, uh, this race? Uh, see, I don't think an anti-Trump candidate can be nominated, which is why, uh, why Governor agree. DeSantis has positioned himself as essentially, although I'm not sure this is necessarily accurate, but positioned himself as Trump without the chaos, Trump without the drama, a mm-hmm. younger Trump. Uh, that, based on his based on his congressional record um, that we don't know that that's necessarily true. The last two years of his governorship, particularly on the cancel culture issues, uh, his taking on Disney, his position on the mask mandates, uh, his uh, following through on his pledge to send uh, illegal immigrants, uh, you know, to uh, out of state to uh, Martha's Vineyard. Those have been very successful, have raised his profile, uh, and have appealed to MAGA Republicans. Um, it would be, uh, it would be a death wish to run as an establishment Republican. It would be a death wish to run as an out and out neocon. Um, that's not a majority in the party. It would
3: definitely be lucrative in terms of money in terms of the MSNBC, MSNBC slots that will come afterwards. So there's definitely going to be folks to that to push market. it. Uh, but it would be interesting to see how far they go.
1: But that neocon money is already lined up with Governor DeSantis. The globalist money is already there. You can see uh, the donors who uh, I keep reading about. Trump lost this billionaire donor. And then I check. the only Trump entity that this guy, Ken Griffin, ever gave to was the inauguration. He never gave Trump money prior to, the, to his election. So, uh, in many cases, those in the donor class who are now supporting the governor, who are being depicted as leaving Trump, uh, were never actually with Trump until he was the nominee or uh, until after he was president. Do you
4: think that mainstream coverage affects uh, Republican candidates at all? Like, if Trump is more hated than DeSantis, for example, by How do you think liberal? the party is
3: going to interpret those uh, obviously losing anti Trump votes? I know you have a, definitely have a great pulse on social media. So, guys, I have two or three more questions
0: for Roger, and then what we're going to do, we're going to open the floor up and we can have a totally open discussion. And if not, Ian,
3: potentially Alex. Alex is uh, definitely involved in the America First movement. I know he uh, knows a lot.
0: All right. I don't know if you, if you can hear me. Can you guys hear me? Yes.
5: Yes. I yes. So, so I, I just
0: have two, three more questions for Roger, and then I want to open it up for everyone um what makes you think roger that trump is not going to make the same mistakes he made when he became president let me just elaborate so poor appointments of you know all right well it looks like we don't have them right now but
3: uh roger what you're saying is very uh it's definitely interesting
0: okay i don't think he can hear me so i've muted everyone um i just continue with the question um, and then roger when you answer just unmute yourself because i've just muted everybody i think uh, he, he can't hear me so what makes you think that trump will not make the same mistakes he made after he became president and i want to elaborate on that he made some poor appointments that backstepped him you know unelected deep state officials stopped him at every turn without consequence his constant narcissistic tendencies, which I think became quite counterproductive, Uh, his inability to execute on his promise to drain the swamp, and quite frankly, for me personally, the unacceptable behavior towards Julian Assange and Edward Snowden, especially WikiLeaks, which helped him so much by exposing uh, Hillary Clinton's corruption, Uh, To me personally, that was where I felt, you know, uh, uh, Trump is is a terrible president for not having helped him. So what are your views on on that? And please unmute uh, in case you're still muted. Uh, Roger, on the bottom left, you have uh, the microphone, and if you press it, it should unmute you.
1: There we go. There you go. finally, finally. Um, Look, I have to hope that the experience of the four years in the White House has opened his eyes. Uh, uh, He clearly, for example, learned a hard lesson about Bill Barr. I never understood why he thought Barr, who had been Bush's attorney general, um, would have been a good choice, given his background, his service in the Central Intelligence Agency, for example. Uh, I have to hope that he now recognizes what he didn't recognize having not come through politics uh when he first got to washington he believed there were two teams the republicans and the democrats and the republicans were on his side the democrats were the opposition uh, and therefore and he thought all republicans um, as they had under reagan by the way for example who was also an outsider uh, would all be pulling in the same direction i don't think he realized that the real divide in Washington was not between Republicans and Democrats, but between establishment insiders and an outsider, and that his mere presence uh, and his policies, for example, that he would cancel the Iranian arms deal or that he would pull us out of the uh, Paris Climate Accords, uh, just to name two uh, examples, um, would uh, fly in the face of the 2 party duopoly had already decided to do these things. So um, we have to hope that if he is elected again, I think there's a there's a reasonable probability of that. I did a radio show today in Nevada was a beating I mean this guy was uh, came on much stronger than I thought um, but this idea that Trump is imploding that he has you know the zero that none of that's true. Um, I think there is a path for him to both the nomination and to re-election. Because the Democrats did not take the Senate uh, and only narrowly took the House, it does not appear to me like there's going to be a reverse in our current economic policies. Our economy can look like uh, the American economy in 1933 by the time we get to the 2024 election. Um, yeah, and I think is- that is
0: the that is the biggest thing that Trump will have going for him because the economic outlook is terrible um inflation is only going to go up uh you know the cost of living crisis everything gets more expensive, and we're you know still expecting, according to you know a lot of uh wise um economists, a major crash in the markets that has been prevented uh, so far but only with measures of, you know, money printing and quantitative easing. So Trump may find himself uh, in the election year uh, in, a, in a situation of economic disaster, which would probably give him the best chance to uh, win the election. But then, you know, what voters may not understand is it doesn't matter who they elect in the next presidential election. No one can fix the problems because they're so, so deep and, uh, you know, impossible to cure. My last question to you, and then I will open up the floor. Um, you have, you know, a lot of insider knowledge. You are very well connected uh, in and around Trump. Who do you think was behind the plot to assassinate Julian Assange? Was it Trump or Pompeo? Like, where did this come from?
1: Uh, I think it comes out of the Central Intelligence Agency. I think it is uh, most likely the brainchild of John Brennan. Uh, I think it is uh, obviously moved forward, if you believe the, uh, that uh, Yahoo piece um, put, uh, promulgated and put forward uh, by Mike Pompeo. Um uh, I, I've i never had the opportunity to discuss uh, Assange or WikiLeaks with Donald Trump on any occasion. I know some people may find that impossible to believe, but it is the truth. And there was never any evidence to the contrary. Uh, but I, I think it comes out of the intelligence agencies. And Assange's sin is he exposes the massive corruption of the system. I mean, I, look, a lot of liberals... Thought Julian Assange was terrific when it was the Bush administration. He was embarrassing. It was only be- when he began exposing the corruption of the Clintons that he became, uh, you know, a villain. So from that,
0: from that I hear you are not opposed to him uh, gaining his freedom.
1: Uh, I wrote several op-eds uh, advocating a pardon for him four years ago. Fantastic. Uh, I, I think that he should be released. He's a journalist, and if I were a journalist. I would look at his treatment with great trepidation because if it can happen to him, then it can happen to a reporter for the New York Times. Uh, He is a journalist. There's never been any proof that he is a Russian agent. Uh, The the intelligence agencies can repeat that over and over again, but I've still seen no proof of it, and I don't believe it's true.
0: Yeah. Last thing, you once told me many years ago when we were – Uh, chatting over Twitter DM, that you think the U.S. case against me is a deep state case. Can you elaborate on that?
1: Uh, I'm going to take a dive here because in all honesty, I don't remember the case against you (laughs) and I I don't remember what it was they were attempting to uh, to, uh, charge you with. I have uh, viewed you as a truth teller. Uh, I have followed you, although not on Twitter for obvious reasons. Uh, But I honestly don't recall Um, yeah that's okay uh, it was a long time ago all right but then let's open this up
0: for everyone um we're going to move speakers up people raise your hands if you have questions for roger stone um and
5: let's keep this thing flowing hey roger grant cardone uh thanks for being here tonight appreciate it great room kim good 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 on putting this together you made a comment, Roger, that um, the raising money is now more important than winning elections. Can, can you go deeper on that?
1: Well, I think that, uh, that the Republican National Committee and uh, its fund, fundraising apparatus has been very, very, very lucrative for certain selected consultants. Uh, and I think that, uh, sadly, that they care more about making money than they do about actually winning elections. Uh, and uh, that's – but we don't know because we've never seen an audit and we don't know yeah. how the party's money is being sent and we don't know what the fee structure is. I do know yeah. if you're a Republican candidate for Congress uh, and you don't use WinRed, a specific company, to do your payment processing and you don't use WinRed, a specific company – uh to uh, acquire voter data from uh, that you get no financial assistance uh, from the party so um I, i'm in favor of full disclosure but what, what, the republican national committee has been very 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 lucrative to a small set of consultants
5: what percentage of of the dollars raised if you were going to guess not that you know do you think are just completely wasted with consultant agreements and, and theft.
1: Well, you have both hard money and soft money. Uh, thus the hard money is much easier to trace because it's reportable. Uh, the parties have rules, however, that, that allow parties to do things in terms of expenditures that, that other political committees are not allowed to do. Um, I, I have no idea other than to say that, you know, I think that in the 2020 cycle, um, consultants walked out of the Republican National Committee with far more than 50 million dollars worth of fees.
5: Wow. And then and then the the next question is how much do you think covid had to do with the 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 destruction of Trump in not being reelected?
1: Uh, it was clearly a major factor because if for no other reason uh, it stifled his signature political strategy of uh, the rallies. The rallies were a way to transcend, you know, mainstream media coverage of the campaign. If the rally hit uh, uh, a any given state, it dominated state and local coverage uh, in a way that couldn't be stopped. Uh, but as the COVID-19 pandemic shut the ability to have these rallies down, you can trace it to the polling, is when Trump begins to lose altitude. It is only uh, when he breaks out of that construct, (coughs) pardon me, begins holding the rallies again that he begins gaining both nationally and in the swing states.
4: So my question is, um, I'm just wondering, how much do you think of an impact it has when uh, in terms of liberal or like mainstream media coverage of, of and how much they hate or dislike a candidate that's a Republican candidate. So
5: say, uh, you know, they dislike Trump over DeSantis. Does that, in your opinion, have any impact on an election, or does it does not matter at all in, the, in terms of the election, elections?
1: I think that there is a greater skepticism uh, about big media than there has ever been before. I think 2016 was the first time in our country where you had uh, a disaffected majority of Americans who distrusted all institutions, including Republicans, Democrats, Congress, uh, but more particularly the media. It would be unrealistic to say uh, that the drumbeat of a media monopoly uh, that is particularly empowered through Internet censorship has no impact on the voters. It does. There's no question that it does. Uh, On the other hand, there's a growing number of people, a substantial number of people, and a growing number of people um, who can tune it out, who realize, well, if it's reported by CNN, it is uh, most likely not true. Uh, And would you say it had a bigger impact, like a significant impact on the past, even though it wasn't necessarily a conservative media source? Are they more, like, do they
5: still look like a conservative voter base still looks to non-conservative media base, uh, media sources to, f- for information? Or, or is it like well, Fox it, is their main source? Uh,
1: 2016 is your best example where Trump essentially is able to use the internet as the principal platform from which to counterpunch the usual suspects uh, in the mainstream legacy media that are against his candidacy. Uh, in 2020, he is less effective in his ability to do that because so many of us, so many people uh, in this call are censored uh, and so many conservative media outlets are censored or shadow banned. Uh, and uh, therefore, uh, Fox, uh, these are the idea that Fox elected Trump is inaccurate uh, in 2016. In fact, uh, Fox tried to inflate several other candidates until they figured out that when they covered Fox, uh, pardon me, when they covered Trump, their ratings soared. When their ratings soared, they were able to charge more for advertising. Therefore, the decision to support Trump became a very lucrative economic decision uh, as well as a political decision. Uh, but Trump drove that coverage by being interesting, by being provocative, by being freewheeling, uh, by being himself. I still think that that is uh, probably his greatest asset uh, going into uh, 2024. So, in a way, his greatest asset is also his greatest vulnerability. He's completely unpredictable. You can't say what he's going to do. He is. Trust me, I've known him 43 years. He is completely uncontrollable. He is his own man. He will do things his way. Uh, He is. uh, He's not scripted. He's not handled. He's not programmed. Uh, it's just not he's just he's not a politician. He's a political figure. There's a huge difference. Uh, and um, it is still true that many voters on the right still look to Fox uh, for as their major news source. But you have also seen, particularly in this most recent cycle, um, that there is a very significant move to conservative net based news sources beyond fox fox is still dominant but they are not uh, the only uh, you know the only asset in town
6: Roger if possible I have two questions the first is recently this week Rudy Giuliani appeared on Newsmax and he disclosed that he provided evidence regarding the Biden family's influence peddling operation uh, to Mike Pompeo, uh, you know, former CIA director, Trump Secretary of State, who you know recently was in the news because he considered it an assassination plot against Julian Assange, and also to Bill Barr in 2019 or 2020 before the Ukraine impeachment. So I'm just curious, what your thoughts were in regards to these revelations, and particularly in regards to Bill Barr, Pompeo, and Sean Hannity of Fox uh, not pursuing this evidence of corruption and not making it known public? Uh,
1: This is the first time I have uh, heard about this, uh, so I didn't have the opportunity to read it or see it. Uh, I know Rudy Giuliani, and I know him to be a person of integrity uh, who does not make charges lightly. uh, But beyond that, uh, I I couldn't say. I would be surprised uh, in the case of Hannity. Uh, The other two, that doesn't really surprise me. Um, I think both Bill, I think both Bill Barr uh, and uh, Mike Pompeo are—they're uh, both uh, neocons. They're both part of the permanent political establishment. Look at their histories, uh, and um, that does not surprise me whatsoever.
6: Uh, my second question was: It was recently reported today that Gary Gensler, who has connections to FTX and is a chair of the SEC, and was also the CFO for Hillary Clinton's 2016 campaign, hid from his public schedule meetings with George Soros, Hillary Clinton, and other individuals. And I was just curious, uh, through your interactions with the political community, uh, what your take is on Gary Gensler and these connections.
1: Uh, it seems to me there's a couple different pieces up at StoneZone.com, which is my website. If you're not subscribing there, you should. StoneZone.com. It's free. Uh, we would welcome you to do so. Uh, there's a couple of different pieces there about the FTX scandal uh and uh, uh and Gensler's uh, knowledge of some of these players and interaction with some of them. Uh I wouldn't find uh, anything you say uh, at all surprising. Not charges sure, we yes we're back yeah. everyone is,
0: uh, is signing up to your website right now so they're quiet
1: <laughs> mm. um, uh, all right so uh, uh, I just got a I just got a text in which uh, uh, it is uh, in which Laura Loomer requests to speak
0: okay um, who do I look for what's
2: their what's their Twitter name
1: probably Laura loomer I don't see it. I
2: might have to invite her manually, maybe. I'll
6: I'll DM you. Uh, both. I was on a space with her yesterday.
0: Yeah, just, uh, Ian, if you if you can find her, feel free
2: to yeah, move her up. because we follow each other, so sh- I should be able to like invite her manually. I had to do the same thing with Chase to add him. He's yeah. great, by the right? way. I'm pretty sure he's spoken to Roger before, so I wanted yeah. to add him. So while you are finding
0: that person, uh, Stephen has the hand raised, so go ahead, Stephen.
7: Hey, thank you, Kim. Appreciate you put on the space and Roger, absolute pleasure speaking to you. Um, my, my question for you is what are, in your opinion, what are the main challenges that, uh, Trump faces from a strategic standpoint, um, on the campaign trail in 20, uh, will face in 2023 and 24 that he didn't face previously? And what advice would you give to him, uh, going into this, uh, going into this new era?
1: First of all, Stephen, let me compliment you on that hat. That is a, an, an excellent hat that you're wearing there in your avatar. Thank you.
7: Yeah,
1: I, I collect um, uh,
7: vintage clothing. Uh, thank you. And I, I know you're certainly a man of man of good taste. So I pre- really appreciate that. Uh, I
1: don't think I own a suit that isn't at least 30 years old. But uh, so I guess I'm a collector of Vinci's clothing as well. Um, I, I think uh, that uh, the greatest single obstacle to Trump is the Republican establishment, which Ironically, many members of which he helped in the most recent, uh, uh, you know, midterm elections. I think, uh, sadly, uh, that many that he assisted uh, in both primaries and in general elections uh, are not going to return the favor. Um, I think he has to turn that into an asset rather than a deficit. I don't think you want to be the candidate of the Republican establishment. It's very interesting. One of the national polls today that I looked at, um, which showed that uh, Governor DeSantis has had uh, uh, gained a great deal of strength, uh, still showed that President Trump was quite strong. I think Trump's approval rating was 70. Uh, I think DeSantis's was 80. DeSantis, I would remind you, just spent $50 million on uh, digital advertising in Florida and nationwide. Uh, and I think that is uh, being reflected in some of these polls. Uh, but what was most interesting in the poll was the the underwater rating of Mitch McConnell. The Republican establishment leadership in both houses is not popular with the American people, uh, and it is not popular uh, with, uh, with uh, grassroots Republicans. Uh, Trump, clearly, uh, some of the media outlets that I think treated his candidacy more favorably, speaking specifically of, say, the Wall Street Journal and Fox, will be opposed to him uh, this time. I think he has to revert to being the 2015-2016 era Trump, the the outsider. Uh, I don't think he can expect, uh, uh, you know, the support from those quarters again. Um, uh, clearly, you have seen between the Department of Justice onslaught against him uh, and the very broad media, uh onslaught against him there is a palpable fear of his returning to the white house that said i still honestly believe that he has a, an unshakable lock on somewhere around 45 percent of the republican primary vote uh and there's another 20 percent there that have supported him in the past were are not necessarily adverse to him uh, that he has to win back
7: gotcha gotcha um that's a that's a that's a great answer. I know there was um, a, some criticism from some of his core base that perhaps his uh, announcement speech was a bit a bit muted, uh, a bit a uh, um, bit dull. D- do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, how did how how did you think he did uh, regarding the um, announcement speech? Uh, I,
1: I, I was looking for two things, and I heard both of them, uh, and I think they are two of the keys to his comeback. One is a pledge to fight for term limits. The other one is to fight for a pledge for a lifetime ban uh, on lobbying by anyone who served in either the executive or the legislative branch of government. These are very, very popular ideas, not only among Republicans, but among all voters. Uh, and they always get mentioned at the beginning of the campaign. And then they always seem to get lost uh, and they never get returned to. Those two issues have very real power. Uh, I, 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 was, uh, I was happy because the speech was positive uh, that he didn't spend it uh, attacking other Republicans. There will be a time for that, I assure you, but I don't think that time is now. Uh, and uh, I do think he did an effective job of juxtaposing his record on the economy, his record on energy independence, his record on foreign policy uh, with the disastrous uh, results of the current administration. But the two most important things he talked about, um, which much of the media lost, were term limits uh, and this permanent lobbying ban. Those need to become major, major themes of his campaign. They drive the American political establishment completely insane, uh, but the American people overwhelmingly for them.
7: Fantastic. Fantastic. And one one last little question here. Uh, you know, it seems to it seems to me that the border crisis obviously has been spinning wildly out of control uh, since uh, Trump hasn't been in the White House. And the GOP has done very little to nothing uh, to, to even signal that they're trying to do anything to get it under control. That, that has been my observation. I still think um, immigration should be a, a very top issue for top, hot issue for all voters going into 2024. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about that? Do you think uh, Trump should run on completing, completing the wall and even beefing up border security even more? Do, do you think that's going to be as hot of an issue uh, going into the next race?
1: Well, it already is because, it, because the way it translates is as a crime issue and a drug epidemic issue. We have a, a crime epidemic and a drug epidemic in this country. It is caused by illegal immigration. Uh, and uh, if you seal the wall, uh, if you seal our border, um, then you would see a drop in the flow of fentanyl into the country. And you'd also see a resultant drop in crime. So it is already front and center uh, uh, as an issue. and It has to be uh, uh, a, uh, a signature issue in the next campaign. Fantastic.
7: Roger. Thank you, Roger.
6: I had one question, uh, because you see this uh dichotomy now that you see corporate legacy media establishment Republicans and rhinos pushing in regards to the DeSantis-Trump uh, split. And I'm curious. I mean, we know Ken Griffin of Citadel and Paul Tudor Jones of uh, Robin Hood, who were responsible for the AMC GameStop shorts, are backing him. And you saw a lot of you know, establishment rhino money flow into DeSantis in a non-competitive race, basically helping to build him a coffer for a presidential run. I'm just curious what your take is. You know, we've seen the media immediately try to smear and blame Trump for the midterms instead of focusing attention on the three leaders of the party, McConnell, McCarthy, and McDaniels. And I'm curious if there's any other bad faith actors you see there uh, making a concerted effort to kill, you know, right wing populism and go with Trump light.
1: Well, first I of all, I got a lot to say about that. Why doesn't Why doesn't Trump get credit for the victory of J.D. Vance in Ohio? Why doesn't Trump get credit for the victory of probably his strongest supporter in the U.S. Senate, Ron Johnson, who was in a very, very difficult and competitive race, uh, and who won? Why doesn't Trump get credit for the fact that 3.7 more voters voted for Republican congressional candidates than voted for Democrats? No, I think the blame belongs uh, among those. Uh, who run the party committees, uh, and they should shoulder their share of the blame. Uh, you have uh, you have hit the nail on the head. Uh, what is Ron DeSantis? Where does he stand on Ukraine? Where does he stand uh, on China? Uh, as a governor he hasn't had to say in the House, he voted as a neocon. Uh, the, a man is known by the people who surround you. when Paul Ryan uh, and uh, Ken Griffin, and Paul Tudor Jones, who I believe is a Democrat, actually, uh, are beating the drum for your candidacy, um, that uh, gives me great pause. Uh, I can't see in that huge catch of money that uh, Governor DeSantis has raised, where are the big America First donors? I don't see them. What I see are the same people who supported Jeb Bush. That's what I see.
4: Yeah, I wouldn't exactly say that Ron DeSantis is an ally to America First. And to Roger's credit, hey Roger, how's it going, it's Laura? Well, here.
1: We got you. We got you in here. How about that?
4: Yeah, it's good to be back on Twitter with you. Uh, yeah, but, <laughs> but I would say that Roger was the first person to call the fact that Ron DeSantis is planning on primarying Donald Trump. But Roger's been talking about this on Telegram because you know Roger's been banned. From Twitter, what for about like three years, right? Four years since, almost, Roger.
1: Since, since twenty seventeen.
4: Yeah, just like just like me. So so for the last like two years, Roger's been talking on Telegram about how Ron DeSantis has been uh building out his presidential team. And I'll tell you, when I was running for Congress down in Palm Beach County, <laughs> there were donors uh in Palm Beach who told me that they had already been requested to serve on Ron DeSantis's Uh, 2024 presidential, uh, finance committee. And so you already see this now here in the state of Florida. And just like Roger said, you know, after uh, the 2022 midterms and we saw that the Republicans fell short of. Uh, their red wave that you know they were hyping up we knew that they weren't going to have a red wave of course because why would they the republican party did absolutely nothing to address voter voter fraud they did absolutely nothing to address big tech social media censorship and it was a repeat of 2020 ron desantis none of the candidates who he endorsed won their elections and he was counter signaling donald trump the entire time and then what did the gop do they blamed Donald Trump for all of the midterm losses. And then they had the audacity and Rupert Murdoch and all of his publications had the audacity to give Ron DeSantis credit for all of the GOP victories. And so, um, you know, I think that I think that Ron DeSantis is an enemy to America first. I think you would agree to Roger. Right. I mean, his endorsement of Joe Odea, who said that he wanted to see all of the January 6th prisoners locked up and prosecuted and that he would vote against Donald Trump in 2024. Do you think that Ron DeSantis is an enemy to America First?
1: I don't think he's an America First Republican. I think he is a a neocon. Uh, He's done some things in the last two years of his governorship that I approve of, but now it appears, for example, um, that there's a deal afoot to restore Disney's special tax status. Uh, Let's wait, as Donald Trump would say, let's see what happens? Uh, this uh, was a uh, stunning news today that Governor DeSantis uh, is asking the state Supreme Court to impanel a grand jury to investigate whether Floridians were misled about the effectiveness uh, and the safety of the COVID-19 vaccination. That would be a giant break with Big Pharma. Uh, I-, I predicted that this would not happen, to be honest with you. Uh, and therefore, I find it surprising. Uh, And I think it's a significant development. Um, But Laura is right. Um, I I think from the instant that he was elected governor, Ron DeSantis began planning a campaign for president. Uh, When I said this after the debates, anybody who watched the debate with Charlie Crist, uh, where Crist, I think, you know, he is a very supple fellow. Uh, You go from being, you know, the most hard right, pro-life, pro-Second Amendment governor in the country, to being uh, for abortion on demand and gun confiscation. You go from saying Ronald Reagan's your favorite president to saying Barack Obama's your favorite president. Um, That takes a pretty slippery politician. Uh, And he went into this debate with an extraordinarily weak hand. It's very difficult to to be who he is. Uh, But even in that debate, he put the question to Ron DeSantis three separate times. Will you pledge, if re-elected, to fulfill all four years of your term? Or are you going to run off and run for president? Uh, and all the first time, Governor DeSantis, who had to be expecting this question, froze like a deer in the headlights. For a full 20 seconds, he just seems stunned. Uh, and then he gives a non-answer. Uh, he dodged the question three times. So those on social media who immediately attacked me for saying, DeSantis isn't running for president. He's not challenging Trump. Why are you trying to divide us? You're making all this up. No, folks, he is. He's running for president. Now, it's a free country. That's his prerogative. Uh, He is uh, he is the flavor of the month. Way too early, in my opinion, to be. uh, You might even argue that he's the front runner today. Two years in advance. There's a spate of polls today across the country. Uh, that show that he is uh, pulled ahead of Trump. Although when you read the small print, you find that only when you add Republicans and independents together uh, is he ahead. And when you get back down to those who say they're going to vote in the Republican primaries, Trump still leads. So there's a national media campaign to propel him into the position of front runner way, way, way too early, in in my opinion.
4: Well, obviously, you know, you're 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 not afraid to talk about these things. And so I want to I want to kind of uh, push the envelope. And you and I have had private conversations about this, but I I do think it's necessary to talk about this. And, uh, you know, now that I now that I'm back on Twitter, I think, you know, more conservatives need to be asking this question. And it's, you know, why was Governor Ron DeSantis so quiet? And so fickle in his response to the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago. And do you think that Ron DeSantis had advanced, ad, advanced knowledge about the raid on Mar-a-Lago? Because there was a lot of discussion. I know I, you and I had conversations <coughs> about it, Roger, about whether or not Ron DeSantis could have actually uh, prevented the raid at Mar-a-Lago. You know, governors uh, could actually call in Uh, The National Guard and the state police. And uh, you'll notice that Governor Ron DeSantis took hours to issue a statement and he didn't even mention Donald Trump's name. He didn't mention Mar-a-Lago in his statement. He used the abbreviation M.A.L. And I think that it was a very weak and uh, kind of embarrassing response from Governor Ron DeSantis that showed his contempt for Donald Trump. And that, for me, was one of the first signs that he was uh, planning on stabbing Donald Trump in the back, along with his um, intentional, and I will say intentional, sabotage of the Florida big tech social media censorship bill, which was designed to fail. Because that's another thing is we're talking about the Twitter files in this uh, Twitter space here. It's important for people to know that Governor DeSantis made a promise that he was going to ban social media censorship in Florida, and yet he allowed for big tech to get away with committing illegal election interference. So he needs to be held accountable for that. And what's going to happen when Donald Trump runs in 2024? He's already filed, right? He's, he's a deplatformed, sitting United States president, and he's a Floridian.
0: Hey, by the way, well, uh, Roger, you will be happy to hear that on Spaces dashboard, we are the number one space on Twitter right now. So you're still relevant even be, after
1: years of absence from Twitter. Well, that, that is uh, gratifying. Laura, I don't know that a governor can stop a, a federal a- action. To be honest with you, um, I, I don't. I do remember vaguely seeing the governor's statement uh, in the wake of the raid at Marlago. Um, I think we would all be unrealistic to think that uh, Governor DeSantis uh, and his supporters uh, don't hope that uh, the Trump candidacy will be weighted down, perhaps even destroyed um, through a. Uh, some kind of indictment in connection with January sixth, or,
4: yeah. or
1: or the or these documents. Um, I, I don't know that there's a legitimate case against the president. The document thing is a total mystery to me, and I think everyone else. We don't know what documents we're talking about. Uh, we do know that other past presidents have held on to documents, including classified documents, and there's been no legal penalty for that. But beyond that, uh, I, I would not speculate, other than to say. Ron DeSantis is running for president. Yeah, where does he, he where does he stand on the war in Ukraine? Is he for the $100 billion that we have sent uh, to Ukraine, or is he against it? Uh, and uh, given where his money's coming from, would he be as tough on the Chinese as Trump was as president? And as I think as Trump would be in the second term. Uh, he is breaking new ground on the COVID-19 vaccination. I saw your comments uh, in an NBC piece today, Laura, where you said well, it's politically expedient, that may be true, but it is also, I think, um, politically pretty sound. Yeah, Roger, it's I savvy. Wanna-
4: I would agree that it's savvy. Really quick, I'll let you speak. It's just I believe that it's savvy, but I think that it's calculated and strategic because. If he's going to run against Donald Trump, he's going to be viewed as an ingrate. And let's be honest, Ron DeSantis is an ingrate. He owes his entire political career to Donald Trump. And the fact that he's <clears> going <throat> to try to run against the man he owes everything <gasps> to shows that he is extremely ungrateful. So the but only I don't, thing that he I, I can I don't, really attack Trump on is the vaccine, which is why he's trying to run to the right on Donald Trump on the vaccine. But that's with, it, all with, can...
1: with, with all due respect to my friend Laura Loomer, I don't think voters care about that. That, that is sadly... Uh, voters uh, That's a political argument that he owes Trump. Uh, I don't think it has any impact with the voters. As I said, maybe before you uh, joined us, Laura, as Harry Truman said, if you want loyalty, get a dog.
6: Roger, I had a question uh, because, you know, yes, the border is important and other stuff. But for me, the main issue in 2024, and I think a lot of people in this space, is to deal with the corruption of the law enforcement intelligence agencies in D.C., and to deal with the regulatory capture we have seen in both the SEC and EPA. I mean, they're revoking and not renewing nuclear licenses in Michigan, in Florida, in California. They literally just shut down four hydro dams that provide 70,000 households with renewable energy. I mean, they're crippling American energy, and it's not just the intelligence community. I personally, I like DeSantis. I think he's a good governor, but, you know, I do support Trump. So I, I just don't see DeSantis having the independent wealth or the willpower uh, to deal with this type of rot in D.C.? I mean, when you look at it, other than cable news attacks, he hasn't dealt with the full brunt of the deep state. And I firmly believe that they must destroy Trump and Trumpism, and then they'll turn their attention to DeSantis. So my question to you is, you know, DeSantis hasn't really talked about this. At least Trump has brought up Schedule F. You know, there's whispers that he may relocate agencies which would lead to attrition to a lot of these dc swamp creatures not moving out to red states i mean who do you think is better equipped and has the motivation to deal with this you know bureaucratic state and these alphabet agencies that are just completely lawless
1: well we know for example that the capitol hill police um, have an appropriation and an authorization for a headquarters in florida the, that legislation was passed and signed into law this is a legislative police force. Uh, Governor San- DeSantis has done nothing about this. Uh, we don't exactly know what the Capitol Hill police have going in Florida, but this was, this is reported in the mainstream media. They are supposedly here investigating quote, right at wing extremism. Uh, I, I've never heard of such a thing. The police uh, would normally be under the executive branch would re- report to the justice department or to the FBI. The Capitol Hill police, Reach now in both California and Florida um, was passed uh, as a matter of law. Governor DeSantis done nothing about that. Uh, He went to Harvard and he went to Yale. Those are not pluses, in my opinion. Uh, He is, uh, you know, he, he, but again, his candidacy looks very strong on paper. There's, there's more to it than, you know, kind of these tightly rehearsed uh, lines that you saw in the debate, how he will wear over time. Uh, and uh, his unwillingness to mix with voters. I don't. He's, an, he's either an introvert in an extrovert's business, uh, as Nixon was, by the way. Who had to, this is why Nixon is so uncomfortable in his own skin. Why he has trouble with small talk. Where, where why he is physically awkward. He had to force himself. It's not that he was arrogant. It's that he was painfully shy uh, and just uncomfortable with people. Uh, DeSantis' campaign style um, was not to mix with people. He would, in his pit stop rallies, he would come in from the back. Um, he would have a tremendous ovation. He would give prepared remarks. He would pose for one or two selfies, and then he would leave the same way he came in. That kind of, uh, uh, those rituals of American politics seem to be nothing that he has time or interest in. Uh, and running for president, particularly in the Iowa caucuses and the New Hampshire primary. Uh, I'm not sure Trump has to do this because he's already done it. Uh, also because the set piece rally is kind of his thing. But DeSantis is going to find that if he runs for president, he's going to get greater scrutiny than he's ever gotten. He's gotten no scrutiny whatsoever from the Florida press. Uh, and it, it's going to be it remains to be seen whether he has the temperament and the people skills and the charisma to be a strong presidential candidate. It's more than the ability to stick to a given line on a given issue. Is there any chance he would go along to get along, to get the similar golden
6: parachutes post office that were given to Clinton and Obama for speaking engagements? I mean, that's another concern I have. He doesn't have independent wealth. He's not talking about corruption in the CIA, the FBI, or these bureaus or agencies. So I'm curious, I mean, from your interactions, do you think, You know, he might do some good things, but not deal with the actual
1: issues in D.C. regarding the agencies. Uh, I just I've not seen him speak out on this issue. I think he is an establishment Republican. I don't know uh, that he has the fortitude to take on those institutions. Look, I'd like to be wrong, uh, but we we just don't know. Uh, It is uh, it is clear uh, that um, you have a budding scandal here. Uh, in Jacksonville, in this defense contractor um, who is alleged committed suicide several days ago, was a major donor to DeSantis, was a major donor to the Republican Party. For some reason, he's being investigated by the Jacksonville uh, or I should guess it's the Duval County Sheriff's Office or the Jacksonville uh, Sheriff's Office. But he had a pass card, a fast card, an access card, an all access card. For the sheriff's department that he used right up until the middle of November, uh, he rented uh, uh, his apartment to Ron DeSantis when he was a congressman. It is reported that when DeSantis was elected governor uh, and moved to the governor's mansion, that this gentleman rented DeSantis' home. Um, this is a you know, I, this is a this is a story and still in development. Uh, the governor put out a warm statement about his death. Uh, but it is reported that he was under investigation for sexual misconduct. We don't know what that means. You can read about it in Politico. You can read about it in the, in the, uh, the UK Daily Mail. Uh, everything i just said. Sexual is, misconduct
4: with a minor, I'll say. So I think that's an important part to mention. Sexual misconduct with a minor.
1: Uh, I, I've not seen that, so I don't know that to, to be, to, I don't, just don't know that. Uh, but again, two years is a lifetime in politics. We are now handicapping a race that is two years away. Um, I think the president got into this campaign very early. Um, uh, sustaining a presidential campaign for two years for anyone, challenger or, or former president, is going to be extremely difficult. You've got to keep people interesting. What Nixon once said to me is the only thing worse in politics than being wrong is being boring. If you bore the voters, they will go looking elsewhere for someone who isn't boring. Uh, and therefore, you have it, uh, you have a tremendous pressure on you uh, to uh, to remain interesting, to to show motion. Politics is motion. Uh, and the perception that your campaign is moving, gaining steam, gathering support, that perception is very, very important. Uh, you can't just announce your candidacy <coughs> and then do nothing. Now, we do have a holiday in here, which uh, buys Trump some time. Uh, but he's going to have to move things into high gear uh, in January because he's chosen to get in very early. Um, this rhythm is not necessarily up to him.
0: Hey, Roger, how likely is it that the Democrats are going to manage uh, to prevent from from running again by legal means? Uh, you know, let's say the Gen 6 investigation of the House, uh, gets submitted to the DOJ with the recommendation um, to indict him. How big do you think the risk is that uh, Trump will be eliminated by, you know, DOJ actions? Uh,
1: I have seen a legal theory that um, violation of a, uh, of a post-Civil War law uh, related to the 14th Amendment um would prohibit him from running for president. Uh, other than that, being charged with any other crime, I think doesn't prohibit you from being a candidate for president. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just not knowledgeable enough regarding, uh, uh the, the documents case. Uh, now that his Twitter page is unfrozen, you can see that he specifically on January 6th, uh, opposes, uh, violence and lawlessness calls on people to stand down not to break the law. Um, I have I've saw a one-sided proceeding in Washington, the January 6th hearings. I can tell you firsthand the two allegations to me uh, by a woman named Cassidy Hutchinson um, are completely false. The assertion that President Trump told Mark Meadows to call me uh, and to call General Flynn uh, on uh, the afternoon or evening of January 5th to find out what was going to happen on January 6th is categorically and completely false. I've never spoken to Mark Meadows uh, on the phone. I've never communicated with him directly. I met him once in a green room at Fox back when he was a congressman. That is the only time I've had any interaction with him at all. So she perjured herself. That is false. She goes on to say uh, that there was a war room in the Willard Hotel. Well, if that's true, I don't know it. I was not in any war room and I have no knowledge of any war room. To their credit, the Washington Post has accurately reported that, uh, but that he, Meadows, was supposed to go to a meeting in this war room with others, uh, and that he, instead of going, he later called Flynn and I for a briefing. Well, there is no such war room. There is no such meeting. There is no such briefing. And I nothing, I know nothing about any of this. Uh, but it was all presented to the American people on national television as if it was factual. It is not factual. I still have not seen a January 6th. Uh, I'm not aware of any January 6th related crime by Donald Trump.
0: I watched the clips from a documentary maker that were played at the January 6th hearings in Congress. They seem to suggest that the January 6th events were your idea. Can you explain what happened?
1: Yeah, categorically false. First of all, I don't think they say that at all. One of those videos has they use a, a manipulated soundtrack. No place do you see me saying the words attributed to me. CNN showed an entirely different version of that video. Um, I think it is, a, uh, and I've said that it is a fraud. In the other one, uh, yes, I do say that if the election is in dispute, if it is up in the air, Trump should declare victory. I did not say if Trump loses, he should declare victory. That's not what I said. That is the same advice that James A. Baker III gave to George W. Bush uh, in 1980, I guess it would have been in 2000, and he was hailed as a genius. Uh, no, If you look at those videos, you, you can, they're clearly uh, manipulated. You can't see my mouth moving. You can't see me saying those things. Can't, and one of them, the camera's bouncing around wildly. Nice try. There's just nothing there. Uh, any claim that I knew in advance about, participated in or condoned any illegal action on January sixth at the Capitol or any other date or any other place is just categorically false. There is no evidence to the contrary because it is false.
5: Go ahead, Grand. Yeah um Roger, what do you say to the those that say that Trump will activate the Democratic Party more than any other candidate?
1: Uh well, he certainly is polarizing. There is no, there is no doubt about that. Uh, but anybody who thinks that if the party nominates a, a different candidate means that the election machinery is going to operate differently in, say, Pennsylvania or Michigan um, is really being naive. Um, uh, and uh, if, if in fact, Laura Loomer and I are wrong, if in fact. Ron DeSantis is a MAGA Republican, which I think is questionable. Well, then the the same media, government combine will turn on him with the same vengeance that they have turned on Donald Trump. Um, is he polarizing? Yes, uh, he was polarizing the first time he was elected. Uh, can he win again? Yes, under the right circumstances, he can win again. Um, but the state of the economy once again is going to be a very key factor. I think. Hey, that's, Roger. Uh,
0: That's the number one factor is uh, the economy and where it is heading. I think that is probably the biggest thing Trump has uh, going for him. Um, You know, one thing that I wondered um, in the Twitter files, uh, there was so much information about, um, you know, what went on with the censorship on Twitter, that it was, you know, politically one-sided, that you had operatives of the FBI and, uh, you know, assets of the deep state in Twitter basically working hand in hand to, uh, prevent, um, you know, the, the, the voices that were primarily on the right. Yet in the In the midterm election, with that benefit, uh, the Democrats didn't really uh, achieve more than a tie. Now that this is unchained and now that, you know, free speech has returned to Twitter, I mean, doesn't that, isn't that a
1: game changer? Uh, What's going to happen over at Facebook? Facebook is still the big Kahuna here in terms of no, I mean social totally. Media. If the,
0: Twitter is the tip of the iceberg, right? You have Facebook, you have Google, Google, you, Google is also absolutely. Uh, I mean, they, they're all working uh, in tune with with the Democrats against uh, you know Trump or Republicans in general. But this has now opened uh, the floodgates, right? I mean, people uh, understand more and more what's going on, and if they can't get a free speech on Facebook and if they can't get it on Google and they get manipulated there they now have an alternative which they didn't have before and Elon has already announced that uh, user numbers are shooting through the roof, more people sign up than ever before so you know this could be a game changer no? Uh,
1: it very definitely is, uh, this is why uh, my hat is off to Elon Musk who, who proves to be everything he said he was uh, not a partisan, neither right nor left, just committed to open communication and free speech. Uh, I, I am uh, very gratified to be back here. I'm also surprised. Uh, but I do think it has, as you point out, changed everything. Uh, Google is the number one bad actor in the universe here. Uh, if, you, um, if you donated, for example, uh, to my legal defense fund, and I had to go out and raise all the money for my legal defense, Uh, and you have a Gmail account, uh, and I try to contact you and you respond to me, even if you have listed me uh, as white male, uh, your response to me is going to go to my spam file no matter what. No matter what, for example. So, uh, yeah, there's a major manipulation uh, by Google. uh, And uh, Facebook, right off the bat, if a Republican candidate... Is not allowed to use the advertising technology of Facebook because they're banned, but the Democratic candidate is. Well, that's a corporate contribution. That's a, a case that the National Republican Congressional Committee should have taken to court two cycles ago, but they have not done so. The technology on Facebook, in terms of ability to target uh, certain subsets of people within a certain geography, is really quite remarkable and quite effective but in many cases it's not available to republicans Um, that is something that has to be addressed but yes i think elon musk has busted this whole thing wide open and it is a new day
0: well the next thing that's going to happen of course is that this is going to be investigated in the house right in the, the the all the data that is now available about this collusion you know there's no question that they're going to subpoena the the heads of google and facebook and everybody uh, to come and answer questions if they have similar uh, manipulation and and censorship tools
1: well this is this went from being a political scandal um where a privately owned company colluded with a major national party and Democratic presidential candidate to manipulate uh, information in the marketplace to a much bigger scandal when the FBI was identified as being in on the entire thing. This this takes us beyond the scope of Watergate. In Watergate, uh, there's no abuse of power by any government agency. In fact, what happens is a bunch of misguided private citizens seek to break into the Watergate. Uh the FBI uh, didn't break into the Watergate. Uh, the CIA didn't break into the Watergate, although we now know, based on declassified documents released several months ago, they certainly knew it was going to happen in advance. They certainly monitored it closely. Uh, and uh, the Watergate special prosecutors knew that. But that information was kept out of the Senate Watergate final committee and was never reported on by The Washington Post. Hmm, how about that? So uh, you now have taken this to another realm uh, with uh, with Elon Musk's latest revelations about the FBI uh, going to Twitter in advance, saying, oh, there's going to be a data dump regarding Hunter Biden is most likely coming from the Russians. It's disinformation. Now, this is an abusive power scandal. Uh, will the House Republicans investigate this? Will they subpoena all these people? I, I don't really know the answer to that. They should. We want them to, uh, but it remains to be seen. It really does.
4: Well, Roger, you know, for for those who don't know, and Kim, to answer your question, uh, and it goes along with what Roger was saying about uh, last election season and all of this big tech election interference. Uh, Roger was actually an advisor to me on my congressional campaign, and when I ran for Congress, I was the first deplatformed uh, candidate in United States history, which means we were the first campaign denied access to social media, and so today. Uh, my lawyers and I actually filed our opposition uh, to to Twitter and Facebook and Jack Dorsey and Mark Zuckerberg's uh, motion to dismiss my RICO case. So we filed a RICO case um, against these groups, as well as P&G. And then we also listed some uh, Doe defendants uh, within the government, of course, that's referring to the FBI for their criminal uh, racketeering, wire fraud, and criminal election interference. And Uh, some of their other organized uh, crime, because that's exactly what these uh, big tech social media companies are. And you saw Rudy Giuliani used Rico to break up uh, the mob and Rico has been used to break up the mafia. And that's what big tech is today. It's a mafia. So uh, my legal team and I are trying to use uh, Rico as a strategy to do exactly what Roger uh, you know, just just mentioned, because we can't really rely on Congress, given their record of not doing anything. Even when this was taking place during the Trump administration, Republicans had control of the House and they did nothing. <clears throat> because all of our representatives are on the take from big tech. And then, you know, we're lucky that we have Elon Musk. But how screwed up is it that we have to have representatives that abdicate their responsibilities to a billionaire? Right. What would we do without Elon Musk? Where are these representatives who are just advocating their responsibility to protect our constitutional right to free speech? So we have serious issues in this country.
6: Roger, I wanted to ask you a question regarding your specific case, if possible. Uh, Discovery is typically broad, and the government's supposed to give you exculpatory evidence. Now, it came out later in the crowd strike depositions that there was no evidence of exfiltration from the DNC. And then Comey also admitted, or the FBI admitted, under oath, that uh, they never actually asked for the DNC servers. They relied on CrowdStrike. I was wondering if that information was ever given to you. And just a follow-up question to that, in regards to General Flynn, you know, letter later came out later that Covington, where Attorney General uh, Holder was at, uh, basically forced them into the plea deal, and the FBI and DOJ used hardball tactics in regards to threatening to basically imprison his son. If he didn't agree to the charges, so I was just curious if that exculpatory evidence was ever provided to you or if the DOJ and FBI tried to use these hardball tactics uh, to force you into uh, into a plea deal that admitted to something you never did. Uh,
1: My lawyers uh, asked for the crowd strikes report for use in my defense, and it was denied to us uh, by the judge. we were not allowed to see it Um, at the time. The testimony of Sean Henry before the House Intelligence Committee in which he admitted that the CrowdStrike's report contained no proof of an online hack of the DNC by Russian intelligence um, was, uh, was classified and we did not have access to it. Uh, we specifically asked for all of uh, Special Counsel Mueller's uh, f- uh, report regarding me. Uh, the judge ruled uh, and the government was opposed to having any of it. We asked that we have all of it. The judge ruled that she would review it and decide what sections uh, she, we could have. Um, she did not give us the section that was released by court order on November 3rd of 2020, uh, in which Mueller himself could not sugarcoat the fact that he had found, quote, no factual evidence, close quote, uh, of Russian collusion. WikiLeaks collaboration or my involvement in the phishing or publication of John Podesta's emails. This was withheld from us uh, at, at trial, as was the CrowdStrikes report. Remember, the underlying predicate of the charges against me was that the DNC had been the subject of a Russian intelligence hack. And in fact, my case was tried before uh, uh, Judge Berman. Because the government argued that it was related to the case uh, of the uh, alleged Russian hacking uh, of the DNC, a case that has never gone to trial, a case that has never even had discovery. But the government did promise that at my trial, they would introduce evidence against me, gleaned from search warrants in that case, which, of course, they never did because there never was any such evidence. Um In the case of General Flynn, um, I believe everything you just said is true. Um, I think that uh, Flynn's lawyers uh, fleeced him for $6 million or more, essentially bankrupted him, and worked with prosecutors to uh, persuade him to plead guilty to uh, a crime he did not commit. Uh, we We were essentially standing trial in the same courthouse at the same time. As I said at the beginning of this, you cannot lie about Russian collusion that didn't happen. The idea that I lied under oath to violate the false statements act, your statement has to be material. It has to be willful. There was nothing to hide. The claim that I was an intermediary between WikiLeaks, uh, the Russians, and the Trump campaign is categorically false. The government didn't even make that claim. They didn't make that charge. In fact, they said uh, in the beginning... That uh, they didn't have to prove that there was any Russian collusion to prove that I lied. Well, then the lie had to be material to cover up what crime? It doesn't even—it doesn't even uh, make sense. Uh, but the real reason, as I have established, uh, that I was charged was to pressure me into testifying falsely against Donald Trump. I was arrested in January, in July uh, of that year, 2019. Um, a proposal was made to my attorneys that if I would claim that some 29 cell phone calls between candidate Trump and myself in 2016 pertain to WikiLeaks and the Russians and so on, uh, that they would argue for a leniency in my sentencing. I'd already passed three uh, uh, polygraph tests to the contrary. It wasn't true. I declined to say that. Uh, and so why in the end, They attempted in their sentencing memo to send me to prison for seven to nine years. In many cases, giving me additional time for crimes in which I hadn't even been charged and hadn't been convicted of. The sentencing memo specifically cites my involvement in foreign interference in our election. I wasn't charged with that. There was no evidence of that. So uh, I'm writing a book on this. It is uh, is a long uh, convoluted story. But remember, I was uh, unconstitutionally gagged. Uh, And only after my conviction did we learn that the jury forewoman, who said during jury selection that she didn't know who I was, um, had been attacking both me and Donald Trump uh, on both Twitter and Facebook uh, in 2019, the year prior to her being selected as a juror, but had kept those comments in a private setting. The journalist Mike Cernovich is the person who found and reported that. Uh, my lawyers moved for a new trial on that basis. And the judge ultimately ruled that that was not evidence of bias. The fact that the jury forewoman had said on Facebook that all of Donald Trump's supporters are racists, for example, was not evidence of bias. Um, I think that it was uh, those outrageous actions that came to the attention of the president. Um, and it is why I ultimately received an unconditional pardon. The claim by some that there was some corrupt bargain in which I agreed to remain silent about some unspecified wrongdoing by Donald Trump in return for a pardon is a lie, a vile lie for which there is no evidence or proof. Uh, you do have the testimony of Michael Cohen, uh, who is uh, trying to get a lighter sentence. And Rick Gates trying to get a lighter sentence, but they changed their testimony several times. Uh, it's uh, it is entirely inaccurate and false.
5: Hey Roger, um, man, you've actually made me a little more hopeful about Trump tonight. So we'll see what happens. You 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 campaigned for Nixon, Reagan, Kemp, Dole, Bush. Like, what is the dirtiest, nastiest thing you've ever seen in politics?
1: Uh, then, that's easy. one the question. W- uh, that's easy. It is Russiagate. It is the the use of the full authority of the U.S. government and the extraordinary capability of our intelligence agencies, utilizing what they knew was fabricated evidence. The Steele dossier and the CrowdStrikes report as the rationale uh, to uh, get a FISA warrant to spy on Donald Trump and his campaign. Uh, and to uh, empower a special counsel to remove a duly elected president. That makes Watergate look like small potatoes. That is the single greatest political dirty trick in American history. Uh, and it is, I think, growingly apparent uh, that nobody, not not James Comey, not John Brennan, not Hillary Clinton, not John Podesta, uh, not uh, anyone uh, involved in this process, is going to be held responsible for it.
5: So what do you say to somebody that has some political uh, ambitions and th- thinks about, that is in the private you know, business life and, and every once in a while has inclinations to be like, hey, how can I do there? What would you tell
1: somebody? Think hard. <laughs> that was a joke. Uh, yeah. Look, this, is a, this, is, a, I mean, this it is a very dirty business. It has changed uh, uh, exponentially um we have seen the weaponization of our uh, of our judicial system uh it is uh it's not uh, when you have the full weight of the federal government uh against you um you uh, is very rare that you will survive i thank jesus christ every day for the fact that i'm uh, alive and healthy uh as some of you may or may not know almost immediately upon my being pardoned uh, we learned that my wife uh, was diagnosed with very aggressive stage four cancer, uh, which I think is triggered by stress. The stress of being hounded uh, for two and a half years straight. Uh, and uh, I'm happy to say through the healing power of Christ, today she is cancer free. Uh, and We are both healthy. Uh, are we struggling financially? Yes. Uh, censorship has not helped. Um, I have not, uh, because of censorship, I've not been able to sell my books. I've not been able to to uh, be as economically successful with my podcast, but uh, I keep trying. And now thanks to Elon Musk and Twitter, more people know that every day you can see me at five o'clock at stone dot live every day, five days a week, five o'clock Eastern where we talk news, politics, culture, food, style, you name it. Uh, I think Johnny Roger, er- where do people I donate
4: think- to your legal defense fund because stone- you know, Roger works tirelessly. And I think that, You know, he's a national hero. And whatever you can donate to help him, Uh, even while his wife was suffering from cancer, uh, Roger was uh, working tirelessly uh, while he was attacked by the federal government. So what's your Legal Defense Fund website? Roger? Uh, We
1: we still have 11 uh, uh, civil suits filed against my wife and I, all of them baseless, all of them meritless. This is what they call lawfare. It's designed to grind you down with legal fees and bad publicity. People can go to stonedefensefund.com, stonedefensefund.com, uh, and contribute. You can also get your very own Roger Stone did nothing wrong t shirt, uh, or your, or your nice. signed, official I gotta get one of those, <laughs> or, or your official president signed presidential pardon, uh, copy of my pardon, or your very own. Roger Stone, which is a white stone to which I've signed my name in fulfillment of the white stone prophecy in the Bible. You can get all of those items by going to stonezone.com and going to the shop. Uh, And uh, God will bless you for it. Roger, there's another remedy that uh,
0: you may want to join into. Charlie Kirk and a couple of others are planning to sue uh, for having been censored on uh, Twitter and you just mentioned, you know, all the damages that you have suffered because of censorship. So I think you should join in with them. I think there are a couple of other big accounts uh, that are going to take action, and uh, I recommended that they should go straight after the the DNC and uh, you know the institutions that helped in this uh, censorship effort at Twitter. So this could be a significant. Uh, lawsuit and something that uh, i think you would enjoy
1: uh, i will certainly ask my lawyers uh, to look into it unfortunately i have to talk to them every day we have 11 individual civil suits uh, in which we're defending the good news is there were one six of them have been settled in my favor and they will all ultimately be settled uh, in my favor because they are all baseless but this is what they call lawfare uh this is where uh People uh, bitter about my presidential pardon, bitter the fact that I'm still alive, uh, cook up a completely baseless lawsuit against you. It's extraordinarily expensive. So there is not a, any given month in which the total of my legal fees and the total of my wife's uninsured medical costs uh, and uh, our just modest living uh, is not greater than the amount of money that I earn through my podcast or by writing or speaking. So um, I ask people to go to StoneZone.com and check it out, sign up and um, subscribe, check out the shop. There's some great products there. All my books, The Man Who Killed Kennedy, The Case Against LBJ, a New York Times bestseller. My first book uh, is there. You could, you could go to Amazon and buy it, but that copy won't be signed. Uh, or my book, Stone's Rules, uh, which is just kind of like Sun Tzu's Art of War, like Machiavelli's The Prince. It has a foreword by my friend Tucker Carlson. Uh, that is also available on the website. Check it out. Um, your support uh, is appreciated.
6: Yeah, if you look up top, I, I've pinned uh, Roger Stone's Substack and his website there. If you want to frequent it, you can just click on the links.
1: Uh, should I just go ahead? Sure.
4: Great. Hi, this is Jane Adams speaking. Thanks, Kim, for hosting this wonderful space. Mr. Stone, it's nice to meet you. Ms. Loomer, it's a pleasure. Uh, Mr. Stone, I completely agree with you on audits and donors. I think the GOP is imploding primarily because of the leadership. Ronnie McDaniel's vast network of slithery consultants and Rhino henchmen. So I have a quick question for you and anyone on the panel that wants to share an opinion on this and then I'll step down. So now that transparency is a growing concern for voters, do you think the GOP will embrace that call for transparency and take accountability and basically recalibrate? Or do you think they'll wait for the hype to settle down and continue business as usual? Thanks.
1: First of all, it is important to note that, uh, that Rana Romney McDaniel, as I like to call her, uh, is the first Republican national chairman in the history of the party to remain in office after the loss of the presidential contest. Never in the history of the party has a national chairperson remained in office after losing the White House. Uh, and she serves, essentially, be only because she conned Donald Trump into supporting her re-election. When he complained to her uh, in the aftermath of the 2020 election, that the National Committee um, was not doing enough to support the audit, for example, in Maricopa County in Arizona, uh, or any of the efforts to examine the results of the election. She explained that she couldn't do that because party donors thought she was a lame duck and therefore they wouldn't give to the party because they didn't think that she would be there. But if he would support her for another term, she would be able to raise that money. He supported her for another term. She raised an additional $93 million, not a penny of which I believe went into any effort to examine the results of the 2020 election. The Maricopa County audit was paid for privately uh, with funds raised by General Flynn and others. Uh, this is also true uh, in other states where audits took place. So um you're absolutely right they are this is a money making scam that's what it is it is not about winning elections there's no interest or even concern about winning elections this is about lining certain pockets uh and um uh, the party uh, needs to come to grips with this simple fact and this is going to be kind of the last thing i say because it's been 2 hours and i'm running out of voice uh and i'm uh, kim i'm very indebted to you for Setting this up has been a great experience. Um, to add to 270 electoral votes for any Republican candidate for president, one is going to need uh, Arizona, North Carolina, and Wisconsin. I picked those three states because you have Republican majorities in the legislature uh, in both houses. Uh, and therefore, those are the states where you have the greatest prospect of state election law reform. Uh that means you have to get to 270 electoral votes without Michigan uh, and without Pennsylvania. Uh, and I do not think you're going to get uh, a reform of the election process in either one of those states. So uh, Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, anybody who wants to be the Republican nominee for president needs to focus on election law reform in those three states. Every other state you can predictably uh, determine where they're going to go based on voter history. Uh, Ohio, interestingly enough, has become increasingly Republican. Uh, so Ohio, which eluded John McCain, Ohio, which eluded Mitt Romney, went relatively strongly for Donald Trump in two elections. Um, the uh, election of J.D. Vance, I think, is also uh, a very good sign. But beyond that, Nixon used to be able to do this arithmetic in his head. You need to get to 270 electoral votes. I don't see how we do it without Georgia, uh, Arizona and North Carolina. And those are the best three prospects you have in terms of actually getting election law reform.
5: Roger, who does the uh, Democratic Party run next?
1: No, I have a, I have a, an unconventional view on that. I still believe that they at the end of the day, their 2024 nominee will be uh, Michelle Obama. Um, I think that the machinery of the Democratic party continues to be controlled, um, by the Obamas. Uh, Barack Obama is a very, very popular figure, uh, both in the country and in the party, uh, as is his wife. I think they are dominant at the grassroots of the party. They tried to inflate the candidacy of Kamala Harris Uh, early on. It failed. They tried to inflate the candidacy of Cory Booker early on. That also failed. Believe me, uh, they are painfully aware of the limitations of Joe Biden, both as a candidate uh, and as a president. But they also recognize that the nomination of Bernie Sanders who they cheated out of the nomination now twice, um, would have been an election a, a disaster of McGovern-type proportions. Uh, and therefore, they needed somebody um, to uh, stand in that breach, and the last man standing turned out to be Joe Biden. There is this epic interview with uh, President Obama where he says, he's asked about a third term, he says, yeah, I've thought about that, how great it would be if I could like, just be in the basement uh, and whoever was president would have, you know, like a, a you know, a, a microphone. So I can just speak to the microphone. He would have a hearing device uh, and I could run the country. I kind of think that's what's happening today. Uh, and I think the that uh, John Durham's final report uh, is going to be devastating for Hillary Clinton. Uh, the Clinton-Obama rivalry inside the Democratic Party is very real. Um, I think uh, Hillary Clinton is done as a political force. The idea that she would mount another campaign. Uh, She clearly sees the weakness uh, uh, in uh, Joe Biden, but I I don't see her attempting to run again. I don't think the Obamas uh, would allow it. Um, I think that uh, whether Joe Biden can even finish uh, his term remains to be seen. I don't wish any uh, any ill health on him, but he clearly appears to me to be failing. Uh, and um, between the weight of the investigations into his son, um, his own health and the fact that on occasions he can't seem to string together a sentence uh, and uh, the impact of his policies on the economy, at a certain point, I question whether they remove him themselves under the 25th Amendment for reasons of health. Uh, or whether he steps down, uh, allowing Kamala Harris to become president, she would be uh, she would be constitutionally next in line. She would be an inherently weak candidate. At that point, you'd have a vice presidential vacancy. Um, she would have the authority to appoint a vice president, but subject to a confirmation by the U.S. Senate. Um, who she might pick remains to be seen. Look, this is all idle speculation. But their strongest candidate for 2024 would be Michelle Obama. She is not out doing book signings and voter registration drives for no reason. There's a great new book entitled Michelle Obama 2024, uh, also a a companion documentary called Michelle Obama 2024, uh, both by Joel Gilbert, who's a very able uh, writer and a filmmaker. Um, I would urge people to check it out. Uh, I've interviewed him on my show, The Stone Zone, which, again, you can see at StoneZone.live at 5 o'clock Eastern uh, every weekday. Uh, but um, that's who I think the Democrats will ultimately end up with as their nominee. And it would be a mistake to not think that she would be extraordinarily formidable as a candidate. No, that's would.
0: What I I, agree oh, yeah. with I think that would be the toughest uh, uh, person to beat if uh, Trump gets the nomination. What about also adding?
4: Yeah, adding, adding, um, you know, validation to your theory, Roger. I don't know if you saw in the Twitter files, uh, the fifth dump that Barry Weiss published on her uh, feed the other day. Uh, they were talking about how the deplatforming of President Donald Trump. Uh, was urged at the request of the Obamas, specifically Michelle Obama. Uh, so it just further validates, you know, your claim that the Obamas are kind of running the country as uh, a shadow government in the in the background.
0: I mean, you just have to uh, look at this uh, interesting meeting that they had at the White House where Obama came uh, to speak and Biden was there and all the Democrats were flying around the Obamas and Biden was left alone in a corner somewhere. I mean, if that's not indication enough for who's running things, then I don't know what is.
6: Well, he's in Delaware almost every week. He's barely at the White House. I mean, what is they won't even classify who Biden is meeting with. They won't provide public data on this. So, you know, this is the public president of the United States, and we don't know who he's meeting with in his Delaware home uh, almost on a weekly basis.
4: And they've also been caught with um, with CGI simulations, too. I mean, and no, I know that sounds really kooky and it's not a conspiracy theory. And uh, they they were caught building out a set to make it look like the White House. I don't know if you recall this, but it caused quite a social media frenzy a couple months ago. And then people were wondering if they were doing that in his own home since he was spending so much time in Delaware as opposed to the White House. Uh,
1: anyway, on that note, uh, let me thank everybody for uh, for tuning in. I thank uh, Kim again for setting this up. Uh, I very much appreciate this. It's been a great experience. Uh, it always doesn't always work out this way. Uh, but this has been terrific. And I thank anybody who tuned in for this session. Uh, with that, um, I'm going to have a extremely dry martini, and then I'm going to bed. Well, thank you for your time, Roger. We appreciate it. Thank you.
5: Thank,
7: thank you, you Roger.
8: It's good stuff. Hey, Ian.
5: Go, yep. go extremely dry, Roger.
8: Hey, Ian. While this is still going for a second, I kind of wanted to just raise this question. Um, I was listening a lot, and I felt like I heard Florida getting bashed a lot. Everyone the GOP wants to win, right? We got a problem with the national GOP. We got a problem with Georgia. We got a problem with the Arizona GOP. Why? Why doesn't anyone? Why is the? Why is the Trump circle so focused on on undermining all the success that has happened in Florida under the Florida GOP? Because they're terrified of DeSantis. I mean, they're not terrified of uh, Kristi Noem. And I I get it, but. When, when are when is when is people gonna just kinda call a strike? People Trump?
4: aren't people aren't terrified of Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis yes, is are. undermining Donald Trump and that's no, they're not. about so no, we no, need no, to no. have an honest conversation about the fact no, no, no. that Ron DeSantis is an ingrate and he owes his entire political career to <laughs> Donald Trump. <laughs> that's, and everybody knows that he wants to run for president and that's okay, what this is about. Okay. So and Laura, <laughs> well, one
8: second, about. one second, okay. I hear you on all of that, but you can't argue facts. And the fact is, the Republican Party of Florida has led the way. And now, Laura, Roger, and many others are undermining all that. But then they tell me that they want to win. What do do you want to do? Do you want to go look to the...
6: We're not not
7: undermining I think
8: think Roger,
4: with all due respect, with all due respect, I think Roger, you know, has a lot more political experience, given the fact that, you know, he is the person who got President Donald Trump elected. As president, I think he knows what he's Come doing on. a lot more than you. So I don't think that you are. Hold on, hold I don't on. think okay, and it's look, really funny. It's really funny that you off. said this when Roger Stone left. I noticed that you, didn't, you didn't have the balls to say this. You didn't have the balls to say this when Roger was in the room. Why is that? You waited till Roger left the room. You certainly yes. wouldn't have said this while Roger was in the room.
6: But, but, but let, let's let's be fair. Listen, Brendan, I'm, I'm going to say one thing because I'm not as extreme on this as Laura is. I think I think Ron DeSantis is a great governor, but we have, to, we have to be honest. He exists because of Trump. He was losing in the primary. The endorsement was there. He campaigned for him when the general brought him into office. If Donald Trump is not president and Hillary Clinton is president, Florida never reopens. She uses the full authority of the federal government to shut Florida down. DeSantis, all his positions, whether it's defying the immigrants to Martha's Vineyard, the border— big tech. They're all derivative of Trump. Nothing exactly. is new. He has never spoken once about corruption in the alphabet agencies. Exactly. Initially, he's always, he, he just like the, the vaccine issue, he he also promoted it. He also shut down businesses. Yes, he opened, but the only reason he existed in this climate is because of Trump. And to look at the win, he was supposed to win regardless. But you forget <laughs> that people people in blue cities and blue states, where I'm from, Fled New York and New Jersey, first because of the salt tax issue, second because of COVID tyranny. So these numbers were padded from people, millions fleeing to Texas and Florida from New Jersey, Wait. Connecticut, New York, yes. California, etc. I to deflect. date still have not. And I, to, to, say to say go off Congress, of what you
4: just said, I think that what you just said is great. And I agree with everything you said. I don't know what your first name is. Uh, I just see your, I just see your, your handle. Prodigal. So I, I think everything that you said is 100% spot on. But I will say, you know, Brendan, you're, you're talking about how, oh, you're deflecting.
8: You're deflecting. And no, Laura, you that said that Trump owes Roger so Brendan. Is-
0: Okay, I'm just muting everyone for a second because let's all chill down. <laughs> let's all, you know, take it yeah, a DeSantis bit. The DeSantis versus Trump,
2: I mean, it's hot topic issue. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> but so I'm going to unmute everyone now, but just chill for a moment. And, uh, Brandon, it's not a good look uh, talking over a, a woman here. Let Laura say her piece, and then you reply. How about that?
8: Yeah, I was letting her speak, but she cut Can me Can And I'll
4: just... I'll just say to you that, you know, you you make the argument that, okay well, Florida led the way and you're making the argument that Florida led the way because of Ron DeSantis. Well, how did Ron DeSantis, how did Ron DeSantis get elected in the first place? He got elected because Donald Trump came in and saved his ass when he almost had his ass beat by a closeted homosexual crackhead named Andrew Gillum. Okay. Do I need to remind everybody that, you know, the race was only 32,000 votes? That was the difference between Florida being a lockdown state. So let's stop pretending like Governor Ron DeSantis doesn't need Donald Trump. Okay. He needed Donald Trump in order to become the governor uh, of Florida. And Florida is the free state of Florida today only because. Of Donald Trump. So I think that Ron DeSantis needs to get off his high horse. He's allowed himself to get an overinflated ego. And personally, I am looking forward to the day that he gets on a debate stage with Donald Trump so that Donald Trump can put him in his place and crush him. Okay. (laughs) Because He he really does need to be reminded of where he came from.
6: And the only thing I'll add to that is the same people who built him a presidential war chest are the same people who hung out Blake Masters to dry, Joe Kent to dry, and a a lot of other candidates. And they put it into a state that we were going to win regardless. And they let all these other right wing populists die uh, when the general election came. And immediately the media and McCarthy and McConnell turned all of their attention towards Trump in this narrative. And DeSantis tried to pretend he was above the fray. That money was given for a reason. Everybody knows why it was given. And for him to pretend otherwise is just disingenuous. I have no problem when I'm running. I think it'll be good to have Trump answer questions regarding COVID policies. how his is second term is going to be different. And if DeSantis runs, let him answer. What are you going to do about the alphabet boy? What are you going to do about the military?
0: Okay, and now, uh, Brandon, if you would like to respond, go ahead. And no one interrupt him, please.
8: Yeah, so I just want to be clear. I feel like a lot of words were put into my mouth. I'm not saying I'm not sitting here telling you that that endorsement didn't help Ron DeSantis. No, I'm not saying that. That's fact. Ron DeSantis got a major boost by Trump's endorsement in the primary in 2018. That's just fact. It is true. But to sit here and discredit what the Republican Party of Florida and what Governor Ron DeSantis has done these past couple of years, you got a net gain of 500,000 Republican registered voters over Democrats to take the lead. And, 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 and listen, like, I'm just saying I want to win. I, President Trump, he wants to win. Everyone wants to win. So I'm saying I'm not saying go and kiss up to Ron DeSantis. I'm saying go look at what Florida and the GOP as a whole, it's a team effort. Ron DeSantis is the leader here in the state, but it's a team effort. Look at what they're doing. What is it that they are doing that they are able to flip just about everything? We got super majorities in the House, the Senate. We got the no statewide Democrats. My question to, to the, the, the Trump loyalists is why can't we look at that if we really want it, to win? It, it's too. the economy, I mean, though.
5: I mean, the, I, I've been living here 10 years. It's the economy, and he, he got a lot of tailwind from COVID, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. I mean, you name it, people came here. We've had the greatest influx of people coming all the way from California than in the history of the state of Florida. And they were COVID. all
6: mostly Republican voters, so let's be honest.
4: Exactly. And, you know, I wouldn't exactly say that Governor Ron DeSantis is super MAGA. I mean, his policies regarding COVID, sure— with 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 Flor when you compare other states to Florida, certainly, you know, we opened up faster than other states. But I would say that Governor Ron DeSantis Ron DeSantis is a bit of a showboater. I mean, when you when you look at what he says publicly about his COVID policies, let's take a look. He said that he wasn't going to purchase the vaccinations for children in the state of Florida and then he did this whole thing and you'll know this Brandon because you you know you have what is what is the name of your media company here in the state of Florida you have a media company and you're always at his press conferences and you'll probably remember when he said I'm so proud to be the only governor uh, in the entire country that is saying no to the pharmaceutical companies to order these vaccines for COVID for children and then You know, he he sat back and he soaked up all the good press. And then a few days later, what did he do? He quietly ordered all those vaccines for children to get the covid vaccine, just like he did with his little tech bill. Right. I would know because I was the only deplatformed candidate. You know how humiliating that was to be the only candidate in the nation banned on all social media, denied access while Ron DeSantis went on Tucker Carlson and lied through his teeth like a liar, telling everybody that big tech social media companies were going to be punished financially. I mean, the guy is not who he says he is. His biggest donor is Ken Griffin, who was just quoted in Politico a few weeks ago saying that he owns Ron DeSantis. Look it up, you'll see it. He owns Ron DeSantis and that he... Purchase Ron DeSantis for the sake of eliminating Trumpism from the Republican Party and realigning the GOP with multinational corporate interests. That's what Ron DeSantis represents. So, yeah, I don't support Ron DeSantis. I voted for him for governor and I participated in the recount and Rush Limbaugh before he passed away. Rest, rest in peace. Credited my investigation uh, when I discovered the box of uh, ballots in the back of the rental car at the Fort Lauderdale airport with uh, saving his election. Uh, I'm not going to vote for Charlie Chris, obviously, because I'm not a communist. But do I like Ron DeSantis? No. Do I think he has integrity? Absolutely not. And I will not be supporting him uh, if he runs against Donald Trump. And I would just ask for people to actually look at his record as opposed to his bloviation during his press conferences. And I say that as a Floridian and a two time congressional candidate who has been totally screwed over by Ron DeSantis and his silence while my campaign was silenced by big tech.
8: Listen, there's a democratic process here. Ron DeSantis is not a dictator. He can't just sit here and wave a magic wand and hold everyone accountable. A bill was drafted. Uh, He signed it into law. It is now being challenged in the courts to say that Ron DeSantis is the one that failed you. Hold on. There's There's a democratic process still in play here for that bill. And we got Session coming up in March so maybe they can revisit it I'm not sure if they're going to or not but let's see what ends up happening I'm just saying that
4: but he didn't even issue a statement though it's not like there's a million candidates I'm literally the only candidate and there's only two candidates in the country that this would even apply to myself and then Donald Trump and now Elon Musk of course has reinstated our Twitter accounts but it wouldn't have taken much for Ron DeSantis and it's not like he doesn't know who I am my campaign manager was Marianne Pastille you want to talk about how Florida had so many had so many uh, votes uh, and Florida had so many voter registrations. Well, guess who did that? That was my campaign manager who was offered the state director position before she resigned, so that she, sh- sh- so that she come should come, so that she could come work on my campaign. Sorry, I'm out of breath and need some water uh, because you can't work on a campaign while also working for the Republican Party of Florida. So I don't need to be dictated. I'm not you know, trying to attack you. But I I certainly don't need to be lectured about the Republican Party of Florida in the process. You know, I wouldn't exactly say that the executives at the Republican Party of Florida who are known for treating their staffers like total shit are the people getting the job done. No, it's the field staff who are actually the people getting the job done. And everybody Uh who works at the Uh RPLF knows exactly what I'm talking about. It's why they have Uh such, such such a large turnover rate.
6: Yeah, the only was- thing I'll add to that is that, you know, Scott Pressler, how much time did he spend in Florida and the same people were trying to show, you know, sold out the populace in midterms uh, uh that she hasn't even reached out to. Him, right. So th- to say, you know, to p- place all success sl- solely on the attributes of, of DeSantis. Let's remember when he was in Congress, uh, he wanted to stay in Afghanistan. He voted for TPP in that provision. It would have allowed the executive unilater- unilaterally to expand immigration without Congress's authority. So like there, there are serious questions. my last point here is the reason why some of us are angry is because I've seen a concerted effort from the same people who sabotage Trump's first term to get the, the former president of the United States not even to run the same money backing a different candidate trying to split the base, trying to do whatever else. He's free to run. But let's not let's not lie that as soon as the midterms were done, there was a conservative push basically to say, Trump, you shouldn't even run. You, you don't deserve to run. It should be left to the voters. If he wants if DeSantis wants to enter the primary, so be it. Let the best man win.
8: Uh, you know, listen, to be absolutely clear, I love the fact that Trump is running. I was at his announcement at Mar-a-Lago. I'm excited for him. And I agree with you, Project. But it's like, let the voters decide. And I'm not you endorse
4: saying, him, though. Do you endorse him over
8: DeSantis? I'm a reporter. I don't endorse anyone. That's I'm like a reporter
4: not- too. I'm an investigative reporter, and I fully endorse Donald Trump well, that's, over Ron DeSantis.
8: That that's on you. For me, I'm just not going to endorse. It's like let let the best man win. I think we are uh, very uh, very uh, blessed as a party to have such great candidates in both those men. But. My point being, and yeah, if, if Prodigal, I really, I would encourage you to follow my news outlet, Florida's Voice. We've credited Scott Pressler up and down. That guy is magic. That guy is the epitome of what the GOP party should be. Get out to vote and get the registration. And fact is fact. Here in Florida, they did that. That's my only point. I'm not saying Ron DeSantis, I'm not saying the executives of of the GOP, I'm just saying. Here in Florida, we got a lot of good GOP clubs. And we got a lot of great volunteers, people who are motivated, and they got the people out to vote. And they flipped voter registrations five hundred thousand, a five hundred thousand net gain in the last four yeah, years. Yeah, know some of
2: those people. Yeah, they're good people. They yeah, I'm support. just. They don't go yeah. online, you know. They do a lot of uh, just just grassroots yeah. stuff.
8: Yeah. yeah, they volunteer their time, and Scott, Scott is literally like the is the voice of those people. And I'm just saying. That's happening here in Florida. I want to replicate that everywhere without undermining that great cause. Because if you, my final point, and I'm done. I got I got all my points out. Is when you sit when everyone is just completely on the offense of Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida, it undermines the hard work of those individuals. That's my final point.
4: Well, I would I would say that you can be critical of Ron DeSantis and also get voter turnout. I'm very critical of Ron DeSantis. And I I had the highest voter turnout out of any county in the state of Florida. I won the villages and uh, Sumter County, which was in District 11. Uh, my campaign volunteers and my staff that uh, worked 18 hour shifts with me in the hot Florida sun grassroots work that you're talking about. We had the largest voter turnout out of any county in central Florida. So I certainly know exactly what you're talking about, but two things can be true at the exact same time.
2: Laura, I wish it won, you know, just to, to wipe the smug grin off of those. Uh, well, I did, win. Fire I did people. win.
4: I did win, but that's the thing, right? I thought Ron DeSantis had an election crime unit. I thought that he actually wanted to take voter fraud seriously, right? I thought he wanted to take election interference seriously. You know, when you look at the fact that my election was only less than 6,000 votes, that was the difference, right? Less than 6,000 votes. And I ran against a practical dementia patient and the only Republican who skipped the vote on the January 6th committee, Daniel Webster, and one of the only Republicans who skipped the vote on the January, uh, the uh, second impeachment of President Donald Trump and voted to send $40 billion to Ukraine, right? A total rhino. um you know, it really kind of just makes you wonder why Ron DeSantis, when the, you're talking about Republican clubs, uh, the Villagers for Trump is the largest Republican club in the state of Florida. But you you probably know that, Brendan. So the fact of the matter is, is they passed an entire resolution at Villagers for Trump contesting my election, saying that they believe that my election was stolen. And they sent it to Governor Ron DeSantis's office, asking him in his election crime office that he constantly talks about to investigate the fraud in my election. And he refused to do it, just like he refused to investigate the fact that I was the only candidate denied equal access to have campaign social media accounts. So, you know, I have I'm not just here making false accusations against Ron DeSantis. We have signed affidavits, okay? We have criminal activity from Alan Hayes, a Republican supervisor of elections and Lake county supervisor of elections office who accepted $200,000 from Mark Zuckerberg, okay, Zuckerbucks, and he was illegally electioneering, telling people to vote for Daniel Webster inside the office. That's a crime. And we had affidavits sent to Governor DeSantis's office and he didn't do anything about it. Why? Oh, well, hmm. Because when he was a member of Congress, who was in the office across the hall from him? Daniel Webster. So I don't want to be told that Governor Ron DeSantis is some upstanding guy when he refuses to address voter fraud that's happening In Republican primaries. He wants to talk about voter fraud that's happening in Orange County. Well, that's funny because Orange County is exactly where my election was stolen. He doesn't want to talk about the voter fraud when it happens in a Republican primary, but he'll talk about it when it happens to the Democrats. Why? It's just ridiculous. So, you know, you are a reporter and I would encourage you to perhaps do a story about this. And if you're interested, I'm happy to connect you with uh, my legal team, right? I'm happy to connect you with my volunteers and um, the individuals that filed a lawsuit and contested the election because nobody else in the media or the Republican Party wants to talk about it. In fact, you're talking about the Republican Party of Florida. They contacted every single FEC lawyer in the state of Florida and had them blackball me so that I couldn't even get representation when I wanted to contest my election. So talk about a story. Right. And this is what's happening here in the state of Florida under Governor DeSantis's watch and absolutely nothing's being done about it. So I think I have a right to be pissed off for five years. I've been screaming at the top of my lungs about big tech social media censorship, being mocked by Republicans, warning them about what everybody's talking about now in these Twitter files. And nobody has done anything to help me. And so I've dedicated over four years of my life running to running for office and I would be in Congress, Congress right now if it wasn't for being deplatformed. And I have asked Governor Ron DeSantis to speak up for me. I'm not asking him to endorse me.
5: Why do you think he, why do you think he doesn't help you?
4: I simply asked him to speak up and condemn the censorship and election interference. I would expect any governor who cared about election integrity to do it. Even if I was a, if I was a Republican governor, if I was Governor Ron DeSantis, and then there was a Democrat candidate, I would speak up for them because that's the right thing to do. I'm not even a Democrat, right? I'm a Republican. <laughs> so, so the fact so, of the matter so, is, so, but is, but
5: why, why, why do you think Ron didn't? didn't support you because i don't think i
4: don't think he actually cares about election integrity i don't think he actually cares about big tech social media censorship and i judge people by their actions and the fact that he hasn't done anything to address these issues i can actually say those things i actually have put my money where my mouth is i've raised over a million dollars by myself through the help of grassroots um you know donations from patriots all across the country Uh, And I filed multiple lawsuits in the state of Florida against big tech. I currently have a RICO case. And look, I've tried to get meetings with Governor Ron DeSantis. We've submitted this information to his press office. Nobody ever gets back to me. And it's not like they don't know who I am. Okay, they all know who I am in Florida and Tallahassee. I've seen Matt Gaetz's uh, press secretary on this call, too. Right. They all know who I am. So it's not like Governor DeSantis doesn't know who I am. I've asked him questions before when he's come to the villages. He was in the villages for an event, and I stood up and asked him about whether he was going to divest Twitter stock um, before Elon Musk had actually purchased Twitter. And then he dodged my question, of course, when I asked him about the fact that you know Twitter was disenfranchising voters in Florida by banning my campaign from having access, and he didn't want to a- answer the question. So we dodged it.
3: Laura, uh, let me say something. By the way, I don't do comms for Ron DeSantis. I do comms for No, Matt I No,
4: I, I said Matt Gates. I said Matt Gates.
3: All right. So he endorsed you. L- let me, let no, me say I said,
4: something. That's not what me, I said. Laura. I said I see Matt Gates as press secretary on here. I was just noting that you work with a Florida politician.
3: Okay. Copy. It so should can, be noted can, can that can you are I the most something? censored woman on the Internet.
0: Hello. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs>
4: Good uh, to see you, Joel. Can you
0: guys still hear me? yeah Yeah, all right very good so let me say something laura you sound like you are on fire whatever happened to you the injustice that you have experienced my god look what it turned you into and now you're back on social media you will run again and you will win because you have so much fire and you're so eloquent and so sharp you know just take this as a as a as a lesson But look what it turned you into. You know, you are a beast, and uh, I would recommend that you run again. And, uh, you know, I want to close the space down because, um, you know, Roger Stone is gone. We had a nice little uh, chat after he left, and I think it's time to close this up so people can access the recording. I've had a couple of uh, DMs from people that want to access the recording who came in a bit late, so I want to give them that. Uh, opportunity. I think what everyone you, should think about um, with what Elon is doing uh, on Twitter and Twitter files and what he's saying and what he's doing, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point in the future, we may see Elon Musk in politics as well. And that would be a very exciting uh, turn of events. So uh, I want to close by saying that. And I wish you all a very good night or a very good day wherever you are and tune in next time when we have another space. And once the recording is up, make sure to share it with your friends and uh, let them listen to this exciting uh, discussion that we had today.
4: Thank you. Awesome.
7: Thank you so much, Kim. Thank you. Thank you. Good Thanks,
4: Kim. Thanks.